Streaming live from the Anna Jar and Levine studio. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Well, that was perfect timing. Just wrapped up the golf tournament, handed out a check for more than $30,000, sent everybody on their way, and hopefully right now in their car they'll listen to us on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Simple as that. Uh, after a good day out here at the golf club at Southampton for the 2019 Action Sports Jacks Dream 18 Golf Tournament. Talk about it uh, a little bit more uh, in the show, but let's get right to the lead story. The conversation out here, the Jacksonville Jaguars. The conversation out here, Jalen Ramsey, sideline outburst. More of the conversation, do you like the fact that they went for two? Did they call the right play? It's funny, you know, in there I just asked everybody, I said, hey, what did you think about going for two? Mixed reviews. I had over 2,000 votes on a poll question yesterday. I said 55% said, yeah, let's do it, which I was surprised by. Usually in hindsight, people would be like, nah, I didn't like it. Well, they were 50-50 on it. Some people liked the fact that Doug Marone went for the win and went for two. Then you ask, what about the play? And without question, 100% of them say, hated the play. And, of course, you hate the play because it doesn't work, so it's obviously the wrong play. But uh, I kind of hated the play anyway, (laughs) whether it would have worked. uh, You'll love it a lot more if it did and and the Jaguars get it done, but they didn't. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane, and the Action Sports Jacks crew, big thanks to them for all their efforts here today at the Golf Club at Southampton in our golf tournament. Beautiful day. Uh, but let's talk about these Jaguars, man. Yeah. They're 0-2. It's a really bad start. I thought this was a critical stretch. to play the Texans. It's a tough, tough thing to do and win on the road in the division, in the NFL. But now they come home, and on Thursday night against the Tennessee Titans, already in 2019. And, and you know, you have your panic button that you get to hit like once a year. And if they were to lose this game, I would hit the panic button like at 11 o'clock on Thursday night. This is like a must-win game for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and we're three weeks into the 2019 season. That's not a pretty picture to paint. So first of all, I think my panic button was hit when Foles went down, so unfortunately my panic button's already retired, and now we're coming in Thursday night against the Tennessee Titans, and yeah, this is, in my opinion, it's a must-win game. It's your division opponent. It's an opponent who's beat you the last four games pretty handedly, and you got to show who you are now you know, as a team because... We can talk about Houston here in a little bit. Um, there was a lot to take away from it, some positive, some yet negative. But at the end of the day, all that matters is the wins and losses. And guess what? Right now you're an 0-2. Well, let's get to it right away. Okay, let's Your get into thoughts. It. Should they have gone for two? If I was the coach, I would not have gone for two. Because the way I look at it is like this. I understand that you're on the road. But you had the momentum. You had a rookie quarterback who was leading that team, who felt good, who felt confident who looked like he, he belonged out there. You had a defense, for the most part, that was shutting the Houston Texans down. And if I'm Bill O'Brien on that sidelines, I'd be nervous to go to overtime. And then that's pending even if the Texas wins the, the coin toss. Let's say the Jaguars win the coin toss. Fantastic. Well, let's drive down, get a touchdown, game over. So from that perspective, um, I would not have gone for two. I will say this. I said, uh, and there was a tweet I put out there, and these are all in real time. You know, you're watching them, and you're live tweeting the game, essentially. And when they they had the uh, delay, and I knew they were going for two, and there's a timeout in between, and I was like, oh, Doug. (laughs) I didn't love it either. I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. I understand it. And the thing that made it better for me is after the game, they said they were convicted about it. They said, you know what? If we score here, and there's this amount of time left on the clock, 
we're going for two in the win. Mm-hmm. You know what? Hey, if you want to do that and you're going for it, I, I can respect that. And we saw another team do it yesterday. The Denver Broncos did it. And yeah. they completed a pass and went ahead for at least momentarily in their football game. They were at home in that one, where a situation where overtime usually is better if you're at home. You try to steal one sometimes in sports when you're on the road, although I don't really know if that old cliche and adage pertains to the NFL as much. But I was just be- being honest, I was like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. I wasn't even thinking about that. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know if I loved it, but I didn't hate it. It was okay. That's fine. So then you get to the next part of this. Was the play okay, and was the play better than everybody is saying? Because, shoot, man, we might be able to sit here and argue that he got in. I mean, it was inconclusive, but maybe he might have got in. And if he gets in, by the way, the play is fine. But it was that close. Was the play better than people are giving it credit for, or are we all missing something? So... First of all, second time ever watching the game of football that I've dropped an F-bomb in front of my son. Oh! And bad parenting. Bad parenting. And bad this, parenting. And this was due By to the this, way, the son, his son is four. Four years old. Yeah, and I'm sure he's using that at daycare today. I'm about to get a parent-teacher <laughs> conference. For, 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 for the parents, though, you know what I'm saying? It's going to be for me. It's going to be my conference. Uh, but, um, hang out with here's me the, more, Ronan. Here's the reason, rainbows though. over here, buddy. I don't swear at all. So, so, but here's the reason, Brent, okay? Um... <laughs> So, I told you, if I was the coach, I would not have went for two. So be it, they go for two. All right, fine. You know, let's roll the dice a little bit. You have the momentum. Let's capitalize on it. So, I see him come out, and it's, it's a shotgun formation. I'm like, okay, interesting, interesting. Because what we, what you think would happen was they're going to try to, you know, just have Fournette go up the middle. Well, when you run that kind of formation, I was thinking that's going to be a pass. And let me ask you this question, Brent. If, it, if you're scheming here, what do, you, what do you like better? Do you like eight men or six men? Who, who's going to win that battle most of the time? Eight men or six men? Pretty eight obvious men. answer. Eight men, correct. So they had eight men in the box. The Texans did. Well, 11 guys can be on the field, correct? So what does that mean? They had trips out left, so that means that they had wide receivers on single man. You know, it was man-to-man coverage. I'm like, oh, here we go. Pick, touchdown, easy money for Minshew. I'm like, here we go. Because I, I could see it right away. Yeah, that's I'm like, call the, the, there, there's no way that they're going to run the ball. Yeah. I'm like, the, the box is way too stacked. Uh, it's just not going to happen. And I'm like, all right, man-to-man coverage, um, straight up on the receivers. Let's see the pick play. And I see him hand the ball off to Fournette. And as soon as that ball was handed off, I'm like, what the, you know, yeah. and um, it ended up not working good. Now, from, from you know, it was a great effort by Leonard Fournette. Yeah, don't okay? the, it was a like, bad play call, but a great effort. I mean, uh, a great yeah. effort. He was stopped at the three. Yeah, I mean, he was originally stopped. He kind of had a second effort, almost got in, came down on the wire. I get that. So props to him. wasn't his fault at all. You know, I mean, you could say, well, maybe did he, hit, did he miss the hole? Those plays happen so fast, Brent, where you just got to go, lower your head, and hope you get in. Yeah. And he didn't get in. But I was upset that they didn't pass the ball. Yeah, I, you know, here's the deal. My, my contention is this, and I'm trying to think from all angles on it. Think from the coach's point of view. And they even indicated they liked this play before the drive. Not only did they decide that they were going for the two-point conversion, but they even liked the play they were going to call. Well, then I would say, all right, guys, well, did you watch the drive? The drive that you were the most effective all game long. You hadn't been effective on offense, but this drive and what I saw on this drive, and it wasn't just the two plays, not the fourth and ten run by Minshew, but if you looked at the plays, and as they were pushing the ball down the field in the final couple minutes, I thought there was a lot of green grass for Minshew to run. Now, he didn't always run. He threw the ball sometimes, but I thought it was there for him. If he wanted five, six yards, ten yards, he could have got it, and he did on fourth and 18. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, I like the idea. I don't like two things. I don't like to run because my offensive line 
hasn't done anything. In fact, it's been the Achilles heel of the entire game. They've lost me the game. Critical holding penalties. The big sack fumble. They've lost me the football game. Why am I going to rely on them to win me the football game? That doesn't make a lot of sense. This wasn't about Leonard Fournette. Mm -hmm. You put it in the hands of your offensive line, which is probably the weakest part of your offense, which doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And then so I'm like, all right, well, at least do a read-pass option play of some kind because then at least the defense has to think and react a couple of different ways. The other play I don't like is cut off half the field and roll out because then you cut off half the field. I don't want it. So I was just – I know the room gets a little tighter down there, a lot tighter, especially when you're on the two-yard line. But if you spread everybody out and you let Gardner Minshew just do his thing and he had been making good decisions and guys have been making plays – I like my chances a lot more. Again, hindsight's so easy on that. But I think we all agree, and everybody I've talked to, and all the social media reaction was just asking for that. Give me a little read-pass option of sorts. Now, what you told me is a a way – I don't look at football the way you just said that. Mm -hmm. When you said they lined up, I didn't see all that. Okay, I didn't see eight men in the box and single on the wide receiver. Well, even if you have a pick play and you get called for the pick play, then you go kick the extra point, and you're tied. No harm, no fall. Even if you see that call, I think Gardner Minshew, and I tweeted this during the game, this guy's really good on timing routes. Mm -hmm. Even if it's a slant play, really good on timing routes. Now, you got to have one of your young receivers win a battle. I get it. But Jonathan Joseph, man, I don't even know if he was in the game at that point, he got picked on. I would have went and picked on him one more time and tried to win the football game. So there's a lot of different ways to go. It's easy to second guess. It, It... it didn't feel right. If you're going to lose, lose on an incomplete pass that somebody makes a great play on, or your quarterback who had gotten you there, and we would have been flying banners and holding parades for Gardner Minshew today. Let him try to sneak it in on a, on a running play and him come up short. Yeah. Don't put it in the hands of your offensive line that had holding penalty and holding penalty and sack, force, fumble, easy touchdown for Houston. I didn't get that part. And, and here's what's, what bugs me, because everyone's saying, oh, it was an RPO play, it was an RPO play, and they took what the defense gave them. If it's really an RPO play, that's the offensive coordinator's job to make the call whether to run or pass. And if you're the offensive coordinator, if you're John Filippo, you're going to see that they have stacked the box. They are not playing the pass. The safety is in the box. They're, they're going to stop Fournette. And with that being said, then you call, you call out of the pass. You know, that's what makes Sean McVay, especially last year, so great. You think Jared, call, Jared Goff's making all these calls all the time? Yeah. No, Sean McVay is because he's the quote-unquote offensive coordinator. So from that perspective, I just wish they would have at least put it in Minshew's hands, gave him a chance. Uh, but that's not what happened. Well, there's another part of this story, and maybe a bigger part of the story, and that's Jalen Ramsey and Doug Marone. Real quick thought because we're going to elaborate on it, mm-hmm. but quick thought. Did they handle that situation right? I'm not talking about the arguing. I'm talking about should Jalen Ramsey have come back in and even played in that football game? And should we see some kind of discipline here on a Monday to Jalen Ramsey for what happened on, on Sunday? You've been on those sidelines. Oh, yes. You're an emotional guy. You're going to fight Very with Evan Britton every day in practice. <laughs> I, Montel that, Owens, i got to fight. It, That's all I need to know. i got to fight Montel Owens. Yeah, nice he's, he's the most disciplined <laughs> dude ever. I guess I was so ticked off. He's so disciplined and trying to block me. Jalen Ramsey, did he go over the line yesterday in that game in Houston? No, absolutely not. And do you know why? Because a couple years ago, a guy by the name of Tom Brady lost his absolute mind on the sidelines to Josh McDaniels. Tom Brady took off his helmet, uh, was screaming in Josh McDaniels' face over a blown call. I guess Brady wanted to call, McDaniels checked out of it, whatever the reason was. But Tom Brady's on the sidelines chewing Josh McDaniels out, and he had to be restrained by players and coaches. And everybody looked at Tom Brady and said, that guy wants to win. 
Uh, that guy's a winner. You know, he wants to compete and everything. So let's go back to Jalen Ramsey yesterday now. Jalen Ramsey wants Doug Marone to throw the red flag because he feels that uh, Hopkins dropped the ball. Now, whether Hopkins dropped the ball, if he did or not, I mean, honestly, I saw the replay. I thought it was a horse apiece. Could have won either way. But that's not the point. You have your best player on your football team saying, Coach, we, we got to challenge this play. we got to challenge it. And what did Doug Marone do? said, no, we're all good, uh, first down. What ended up happening? Instead of you know being fourth down, possibly, it was a first down. The Texans go down the field, kick a field goal, and that's points on the board right now. So from that perspective, uh, did it get handled right? Probably not, but I look at Jalen Ramsey wanting to win. I, I, want, I look at Jalen Ramsey trying to be taken seriously. It's like I've been saying all day. If Puzz would have... You know, and I get Puzz was a captain. Jalen Ramsey's not a captain. Doesn't matter. If, if Puzz would have been like, "Hey, let's throw this challenge flag right now," I guarantee Marone would have been like, "Oh yeah, let's throw this little challenge flag." And I'm not saying I, this isn't trying to be a race thing, Brent, by any means. No, but I'm I, saying, but the, the, this is a, the is a respect level. It, it, yeah. it, it's a respect level. And the, you want to talk about a guy with respect? Well, he held uh, Hopkins to what five catches, forty yards yeah. yesterday. That, that, that's the best play in your defense, hands down. It is. I mean, he was so, unbelievable, and so, it takes away from a great game from yeah. him. I mean, he was outstanding, although he should have intercepted the ball later in the game, too. Yes. Uh, I disagree with you on this one. No, I, okay, I, know. I disagree. I that's an interesting thought. You surprised me a little bit with that thought. We're going to talk more about it. We welcome your thoughts, too. What do you think about the Jalen Ramsey situation? What do you think about going for two in the play that ensued? And how much trouble are the Jacksonville Jaguars in two weeks in to the 2019 season? We're live at the Action Sports Jacks Dream 18 Golf Tournament. It's in the books, our 10th year. The Golf Club at Southampton, a fantastic venue, great hospitality. We're talking more Jags right after this, and we welcome your call, Star Star 690, to get in. Hey, welcome back to the Action Sports Jacks Dream 18, 2019 edition in the books. Thanks to everyone who supported it, and uh, we had another great day out here. We're going to talk more about it, but we had a lot of Jag stuff, so we'll get to that right now. Brent Martin of Austin Lane. Mike Burrish is going to join us in just a couple minutes. These guys, everybody out here was talking sports today, man. Everybody was talking about the Jags. That's one thing about the Jags. They might be 0-2, but they are entertaining. Thank goodness we have Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. These yeah. first couple of games have been, wow, a lot to talk about. We left off with Jalen Ramsey. And I want a quick thought, and then I'm going to get to the phone lines, okay? And you're more, uh, more than welcome to come on in, Star Star 690. You said, and you kind of surprised me, you did not have a problem with what Jalen Ramsey did. No. And I've got, there's a lot of levels to this, okay? First of all, I think what Jalen Ramsey did, the problem I have with it, you cannot put your hands on your head coach. See, but I didn't, see the, I didn't see the video, Brian. I didn't see the video where he pushed him, supposedly. Well, it wasn't a push. Okay, let's, we got to be careful with the characterization. It wasn't okay. a shove push. It was more of a nudge, and I might have said even on Twitter, so, shove, first of all. Okay. But it was more of a nudge, but it was something. It wasn't like I'm walking by you and I bumped into you. It was an effort mm-hmm. made. And there was a lot of verbal going on there, too. And I can do, I can do with the verbal. I can, I can get away with it. That's fine. These are grown men. It's hot. It's heated. It's emotional. You're mad. That's fine. And I also will say, I thought Doug Marone was in the wrong for going over to the bench. Listen, this is a day and age where you have so many cameras. Don't make this thing worse. You have to be aware of that. And that's a tough thing in an emotional time to be aware of that. Your player just shoved you, nudged you, however you want to phrase it, and now you're ticked off because you're getting a mouthful from a player, which is basically insubordination. I mean, bottom line, it's insubordination. That's what it is. I mean, there's a head coach and there's a player. That's the way it usually works. So I can see why he's fired up, but just sit him down for a couple of series then. Mm -hmm. Don't go over there and make it more of an issue. So I thought Doug Marone was wrong in that regard. And now we see today if anything will happen to him. Does he get fined? 
Is there a suspension? Is there anything like that? The Jaguars, Doug Marone was supposed to talk at 210. He did, didn't. He's talking around 430. So we'll have an update from there. And I also don't like the way the Jaguars handled this last night. Jalen Ramsey, if you are going to call out the media and call out fans, call, well, not fans, really, but call out everybody that critiques you, yet in a moment where you lost your cool and it was not a cool moment for you, talk to the damn media then after the game and own up to it. We saw J- Miles Jack do it. Jalen Ramsey skates out of there, doesn't want to talk. Not a good move by Jalen Ramsey. I gave these guys a lot of credit a week ago for their maturity. You did? I thought there was a, a step up in maturity, the way they handled Not this one. Not this one. You can't lose your cool like that, shove a coach, nudge a coach, drop an interception that might have won you the football game, and then not own up to it and at least talk about it in some way, shape, or form. And by the way, Doug Marone's not off the hook on this, in my opinion, either. What do, you, what do you mean it's emotional? I kind of forgot what happened. He knows exactly what happened. That's what he said in the post game. He didn't want to address it either. <laughs> you, you almost got in a fight. You're going to remember what happened. All right. <laughs> so I don't like the way they handled it, okay? It's, it's, I didn't like it from the start. Um, I think he should have been, sat a couple of series at the very least, and they should have handled the whole situation a lot better with Jalen Ramsey. Let's get to Saqib on the phone lines right now on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hey, Saqib, sorry to keep you waiting, man, but a lot to get to here on a Monday. What are your feelings? You know, it's a, it's a mad Monday, right? My Florida State lost. Okay, the the Jags finally was doing something good, and then Doug Marone, who's not a good head coach, I will go in my grave saying that, guys, I am one of the biggest Jaguar fans that you guys will ever meet and listen to in your life, okay? I, I, I will do anything for my Jags guys, but Doug Marone should be fired in this year. I don't want him here. He's He has lost this locker room. And I, I hope and pray to God that he gets fired. We need a guy like Tom Coughlin that's better disciplined. Because that guy, Ramsey, wouldn't have done that to Tom Coughlin. I guarantee you. I don't know, Saqib. Have you guys ever heard know, somebody man. doing that in New England? I'm sorry. I don't Listen, Saqib, I disagree with you on this front. I'm not sure. Just be, The Tom Coughlin we all know, the Tom Coughlin you grew up with, that guy that had that aura about him and uh, this uh, no-nonsense approach, I don't know. It's not a Jalen Ramsey thing. Have you guys thing. ever heard that happening this... in New England? Well, Have you ever heard great somebody nudging the head coach? A head well, coach on New England Patriots and talking yeah. bad to him? But we, we saw Tom Brady get in Josh McDaniels' face and almost come to blows. He's not the head coach. He's just the offensive coordinator. Come on, man, Alston Lane. Come on, man. Well, it Have is, you it ever seen anything, anything like that? He's it, lost it's the still not. That's it's the same He's situation, Saqib, but it's it's a little different in terms. Of it's not Belichick. I understand your point there. And how would they have handled it? Would have been fascinating because if you have a player of that caliber, how do you handle it? And uh, some people I asked that today, and they're like, "Well, he would trade him away. He would cut him." I don't know about that, but he probably hey, Austin, would. Let me ask you a question. As a former up, player, you are okay. Sure. Would 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 your former head coach Jack Del Rio, if you went to him, pushed him, or nudged him, or did anything to him? What he what he would what he would do to you? He would probably sit you down and say, "Dude, that's not going to happen, right?" Am oh, I right I, or wrong? I, 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 I probably get I, I probably get cut or traded. And it's like I said, I mean, I I've, I've seen the video a couple times, man, and I, I didn't see a push and I didn't see a shove. I mean, I saw guys getting held back, but I didn't see Jalen Ramsey, you know, blatantly push Doug Marone. Just to be honest with you, he's lost he's lost the locker room. Period. In a discussion, yeah. and I want him fired. All right, so keep. Thanks for the call, man. We appreciate. It. I think we have. Uh, is it Johnny on the line? Kuz, is that what you said? 
Uh, James, John, Johnny? Okay, thanks, man. Uh, Johnny, jump in on the conversation. Your thoughts on uh, Jalen Ramsey? Well, as a former college football player who played over at Alabama, let me just tell you this. Jalen Ramsey's has got a terrible attitude. He's a great player, there's no doubt about it, but he has got a terrible attitude. Let me give you an example. He intercepts a pass, he runs it in for a touchdown, and he stands there and dances, sexually suggestive, as a matter of fact, and dances and dances. You know what we were taught to do? Go to the, go to the uh, defensive line and tell them, thank you guys for putting pressure on that quarterback. So that he threw a terrible pass and I could intercept it intercepted and then our team could win this game as far as i'm concerned ramsey is a detriment to, to jaguars and he's one of the reasons we are we have a losing team in jacksonville johnny thanks for the call on espn 690 appreciate it uh brent morton austin lane back here and let's bring in mike burrish as well you get right in the hot seat burrish speaking of hot on the uh, wow. temperatures uh jumping in because you guys were talking about this today we we're talking about this as you talked about this today here on the golf course with everybody yeah. what's the thoughts on ramsey what did you, what did you get what do you sense it is split you're right it's really very split i loved the game i mean i think a lot of people thought they didn't have a chance yesterday so first and foremost, they went out there, played pretty good football, had a chance to win it at the end. Argue what you want about the call at the end for two. Uh, but I thought they played pretty well. I would not be at all surprised to see them pull the one out Thursday night against a team that's been nothing but a nemesis for however many years. I think they're going to play good football Thursday night. I really do. Uh, I think it's exciting to see you got a backup quarterback come in who's pretty kind of a freelancer maybe almost, right? Uh, I just think he had a little magic to him right. Uh, He's exciting. He he, he's fun, and he he plays smart football for for a rookie. I mean, I think it's pretty fun. Um, And the guys are playing with a passion, you know. Otherwise, you don't have the argument on the sidelines yesterday. And and uh, I kind of agree with you, Brent. Um, I think I think uh, I think I think you bench him. For a series or two, right away, right away, and it's yeah. done. Yeah, and it's done. Yeah, yeah. You could address it briefly and afterwards, done. and 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 then you're going to talk about it behind closed doors later. Yeah, but it's done. And you might even find them later on. I mean, Maybe. you might get a fine Maybe. later on. I, I and and by the way, this I don't know where this goes today. And look, Johnny, I think was a little bit strong on what he wants to say. I mean, I get his idea, but I mean, what, the celebrations and the touchdowns, all that, I didn't understand what he was talking about. I mean, that's fine. Let guys celebrate. Mm-hmm. What he brings up is a point that we don't know. And we really don't know. And it, it depends who you ask. And I think it depends sometimes on spin and assumption. Is what is this guy like in Jags headquarters? What is he like day to day? And what is how much can you put up with that? I always go back to the conversation I had uh, with somebody about Deion Sanders. Deion Sanders bounces around the three teams. He's the greatest cornerback of all time. Good point. Why does he bounce around the three teams? Because people get tired of him. That's why he bounced around the three teams. Because they don't want to deal with his stuff. Mm-hmm. And guys are like that. Coaches are like that. Sometimes players are like that. I think this guy is such a good player. I mean, such a good player. The greatest player maybe this franchise has ever seen if he stays here for 12 years. I mean, he's yeah. that good of a football player. Yeah. He was unbelievable yesterday outside of the drop. Mm-hmm. But, man, you got he, he could have got thrown out of last week's game. And then we're talking about this week with him and the coach. You just, I don't, I see it differently than you do, Austin, on the... I get he wants to win. I get he's competitive. All those things. But, but, but you've got to be careful. See, what I also saw about his teammates were protecting him there, is, which is good from your teammates to protect him, 
But how much are people following Ramsey? Is Ramsey the guy you want to be following? And like, is Ronnie Harrison following Ramsey? Here's the problem with Ronnie Harrison doing some silly things. He doesn't play like Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. <laughs> so no, I sure. don't know that's going on. I'm just wondering, is it is it like that in their locker room? It's and listen, I, I brought up the point. He wants to win. He wants to do this. Yeah, the, that's part of the argument. But you're missing the biggest point of this whole argument is that he's not being heard. He, he told Doug Marone, "Can you please make this call? Can you please throw the challenge flag?" And Doug Marone didn't do it. Did How Doug- many times the guys asked that? How many it, times would be like, show the challenge, show the challenge, and they're like, they're dead wrong. Brent, name any player, any best player on any NFL team. Like, let's say Aaron Donald for the Rams. If Aaron Donald asked for that challenge flag, is he need the challenge flag? I mean, I want to say yes, I understand your point, but yeah, I feel, like, look at that I feel like they've flag. all asked for that stuff before. I feel like Antonio Brown or, a, or an Odell Beckham Jr. said, hey, my feet were in, my feet were in, go review that play, and they don't review the play. I'm just saying, Brent, uh, I don't think Jalen Ramsey feels respected. I think he feels disrespected, and it, it finally blew over yesterday. Now, I'm not in the locker room. I'm, I'm not at practices. I, I don't know how his teammates feel about him. All I know is that Jalen Ramsey right now, I feel like, feels disrespected right. because he's not feeling hurt. And anytime you're the best player on the team, uh, I feel like you have that right to be hurt. Yeah, you have the right to be heard, but doesn't he have to let it go at some point, man? He played the next five plays, pissed off at the coach, yeah. yelling at the coach. And it was three I mean, points. Get I'm, over it, dude. But, but you could argue it right here. I mean, a couple plays changed the game. If Doug Marone throws that challenge flag, and all, all of a sudden it's fourth down, they punt it, Jaguars win the ball game. Yeah, well, listen, you're right. I said it, yes. I mean, Doug Marone cost them because he didn't try to challenge, and if they would have overturned. The other, I'll say one little part of this that I think people miss. In the first half, when there's a play that is questionable, and you do have any player, but your star player saying that he, I saw that hit the ground, mm-hmm. and they're not sure, and the play gets off in a reasonable time, even though they saw a couple replays, and they can't make a decision quick enough. Why in the world don't they call timeouts? You have three timeouts in the first half that you never use. You never use three timeouts in a half of football in the NFL. You never in first the first half. half. You yeah. never do it. So why didn't they give themselves more time? to at least take a look and, and reconsider. Now, Marone's postgame was, he was quick to pound the chest of, we're the best in the league at challenge place. Yeah. You know, he was mm-hmm. quick to say that. That was a little shot at Jalen. Hey, we got a system that's been working. It's the best in the league, by the way. And Jacksonville is one of the few things that are the best in the league yeah. the last couple of years. So, uh, well, pretty wild. And to get back to your point, too, it's like how much will the Jaguars tolerate with Jalen Ramsey? I mean, is he kind of being a nuisance in the locker room now? You have to ask that question. Well, if he truly is being a nuisance, if he truly is being a bad role model, a bad leader, then that kind of falls on coaching to get that leadership in line. That, that falls on coaching and the captains to get that leadership in line and to, 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 to you know basically write the ship. Because I'll tell you what, regardless of what Jalen Ramsey is doing in the locker room, he yelled Hopkins to five catches for 40 yards, and I... I'm not a betting man, but I'd probably say no one else is going to do that in the NFL this year. Hey, fair enough to ask the question. Somebody just asked it, so I'm going to ask. What had more of an impact on the football game, dropping the pick six or not challenging the play? Pick six. I'd probably drop the pick six. That's a good question. Yeah, absolutely. Fair question. Yeah. Right? Yep. Uh, and that's the one thing, Jalen, if you're going to blow up like that, and you are awesome, and yep. you were great yesterday, but you got to make that one play, too. you got to walk yeah, in. Absolutely. you got to make that one play. Hey, Mike, great weather day today. Beautiful. We appreciate you being out here. Wonderful tournament. And um, thanks for clearing that hurricane off the coast. And <laughs> yeah. Thursday night's supposed to be really nice for the game. Yeah, it'll be a pretty night, really. Uh, the temperatures will reach the 80s in the afternoon, but kickoff is 820, I believe, right? 
So 820 kickoff, mostly clear skies, a little bit of a breeze, and temperatures no worse than 80 at kickoff awesome. and dropping into the 70s during the game. And, of course, it's after sunset to boot this time of year. So really a pretty evening. It, it, it should be a great night for football. And, and like I said, I expect them to really come out and play good football. I really do. I like it, man. Um, I mean, I, we're snake-bitten by the darn Tennessee Titans. I know that. I realize that. But uh, I thought I was showing something yesterday. I know there's a lot of controversy. I love again. I love the call at the end of the game. I love the I love going for it. Yeah. I mean, I may, I might have I might I kind of wanted to see it in Minshew hands myself. Yeah. But who am I? I mean, I'm not. I I, I loved their spirit. I loved the the uh, end of the game. I think a lot of people expected that to not be close yesterday. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So hey, I'm fine with it. And if we can win tomorrow uh, Thursday night. Now we're one game out of a, me- quite honestly, a mediocre division, isn't it? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of. Yeah, it's all yeah. not um, You know? you got to win Thursday, no, but right. all right. Yeah, I do lost. think we have to win Thursday night in all practical cases. But, yeah, I, I thought it was great. So uh, I'm, I'm excited. I think we'll be, we'll be fine. And the weather looks great Thursday night. Just real quickly, if I may. Yeah. The tournament, Brent, is it the best tournament in northeast Florida. Uh, and the foundation you. that you are, are sending money to, the um, North, North Florida, Florida Junior, Junior Golf Foundation. Golf. Yeah, foundation is awesome, Saint and the Michael so- Saint, thank, Saint Michael Soldiers. Uh, just what a what a wonderful. I'm not hungry. Uh, that's for sure. There's a lot of food out here. Southampton does a great job with it. Always, of course, is always in great shape. Uh, and I know you don't show it. I don't know how you don't, but you have to be exhausted. People need to know that. Uh, it's remarkable what you do. And then lastly. Go Hawks, as in Iowa. Yeah, you got away with it. Iowa got the after got away with seven one. hour game. That was a long uh, game. It was two weather delays. I don't know how anybody plays through that, quite honestly. I'll win, it was a win in that case. So, um, But we've got some. We had some fun times in the Hawkeye State right now in the Midwest. So, Mike, uh, go. good, a uh, big Iowa fan, of course. Hey, man, thanks for coming out here. We appreciate it. Thank you, you guys. It. Uh, great, great radio show. Thank you. Man. Fastest growing radio show in Northeast Florida and Jacksonville. You bet. Let's get uh, it. Mike Borish, uh, first alert, chief meteorologist, Action News, CBS 47 and Fox 30. He's going to shower up and be in a little bit later tonight on Fox 30 and CBS 47, I believe. So, uh, thanks, man, for coming out. Thanks for dialing us up. A good day and keeping that hurricane off in the Atlantic. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, don't get your frame. You've got something for your dad. I like that. That was very nice of you. All right, when we come back, more Jags talk, of course. We'll stay back on the Ramsey. Where does this leave the Jags? Really, it's the bigger thing. We can talk about the sideshows and all the different angles, and we will, but... I mean, how much do they have to win this football game, and can they? I've got one big concern about this game. I think they will beat the Titans because I love Thursday night football at home. Yes. I think it's such an advantage. Mm-hmm. That's not a blind faith. Go look at the record books. The home advantage on a Thursday night is huge. But I do have one major concern after what I saw yesterday, and it had nothing to do with Ramsey, a two-point call, or anything else. That's coming up next here on Action Sports Jacks. The Jaguars' biggest problem is they have absolutely zero team discipline. What I saw the last two weeks between that Miles Jack and Ramsey yesterday, it just proves that that coach and his entire staff needs to go now. Well, there you go. Sound off after a Jaguars game, and you can do it on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. We invite you on Jaguars game days to call in to Star Star 690, leave a message, and that's what that is. And you can do that every game, including Thursday night when the Jaguars play the Titans. You know, there is a lot of Marone talk right now, man. And how much of this is Doug Marone? We just had this conversation. And I have to preface this and show you, tell you where I'm from on this topic. I, if you've heard me say it, I apologize for saying it again, but I want you to know where I come from before we start talking about something so I'm not wishy-washy on it. And like last week when discipline was being talked about, I was like, hey, that's Miles Jack. Miles Jack hasn't run into this before. This is a one-off thing. This is not a, a repeat offender, if you will. 
And I also believe overall in the NFL and even here in Jacksonville in recent years that discipline has been talked about too much. Mm. That it's a football game. It's a violent game. You have passionate young men playing a violent game where people are trying to take their heads off, take their jobs, and they're making millions of dollars and trying to get rich playing the game and be a star. I mean, you tell me if you would keep your cool on every play. I don't think so. Okay, you need that passion to play, and I also think you can get away with penalties and get away with some things and still be a good football team. What I don't think you can do is habitually do things like this and be a good football team because that breaks up football teams. It's too much discussion. It's too much disruption, too much distraction, and we see good teams and you don't see that. Once in a while, absolutely. Did Seattle have some run-ins during those years? Did the Giants, even when they won Super Bowls, have some run-ins when they were successful? Absolutely. It happens. Yeah. No doubt. Did the ja- Were the Jaguars in a perfect situation in hunky-dory locker room every single step of the way in 2017? Here's the answer to that, people. No, they were not. But we didn't care about it as much because they were winning football games. I thought Bill O'Brien coached a terrible game yesterday. You know what? They don't care about it today in Houston because they won the football game. That's how it works in the NFL. But so to just preface this, I am not a go to the discipline, go to the discipline card, the discipline card. It's all on the coach. It's his fault. I mean, what do we want around here? Tom Coughlin is in the building. Doug Marone is supposed to be a hard-ass coach. He's the head coach of the football team. I mean, how much of this is on him and how much of this is players just kind of running amok here and being selfish and doing things outside of what they've been taught and what they were supposed to do? I do have to remind everybody, this is a team game. Don't they call it the ultimate team game? Well, you can't do some of these things if you want to win as a team. And that goes back to some of the events of the last couple of weeks. And CBS showed a graphic that I was even astonished by. And that goes back to the Gus Bradley days. Did you see the graphic with the penalties, yeah. the number of ejections, the number of personal fouls? They're like second in the NFL. You are not good enough, Jacksonville, to overcome that kind of stuff on the field and off the field and during the week because we have to talk about it now for the next week before you lead into another kickoff on Thursday. But. Yeah. How much of this is on Doug Marone is really what I'm trying to ask. Well, you know, and you said you don't want to repeat yourself. I mean, I've been repeating that stuff for the past couple weeks now, Brent. The last thing I want to do is come in and break down stuff that happened on the sidelines, right? Because then it's not even football. It's like I'm TMZ. I'm like, oh, did you see Jalen Ramsey, you know, do this to Doug Marone? And, like, I get it. We have to cover it because that's the big news in sports. But I can't stand doing it, man. I'd rather just do the X's and O's and say this is what the defense did well. This is what they need to work on. So the offense did well. This is what they need to work on. But, no, we're sitting here talking about more discipline and more discipline. I don't want us to live in a bubble, though, in Jacksonville where it's just like we have a Jalen Ramsey type, another team has a Jalen Ramsey type. All right? There's 32 leagues in the NFL, uh, 32 teams in the NFL. Do you think other teams maybe have some egos involved? Do you think other teams maybe have some guys that aren't really high-character dudes, but they make it work? It's just for whatever reason, this year it's, it's starting to come to a head now, Brent. It's starting to snowball out of control. And... How much falls on Doug Marone? How much falls on, on you know, on the players themselves? I mean, it's got to be 50-50, I would say. You know, I, I would say 50% has to be the, the, the culture that you establish in the locker room. It's got to be we do things a certain way. It is the Jaguar way, and either you're in or you're out. And if you're out, then we'll see you later. We'll trade you away, so be it. And you almost have to, like, you know, strike fear, in, uh, the, the fear of God into some players sometimes. But 
we're seeing now where that's not what play, uh, coaches do, Brent, because now we're going with more of the players' coaches, right? We're going with the young guys. We're going with the Kingsburys. We're going with, uh, uh, you know, I mean, just pick your young coach now, and they're everywhere. So I, I don't, you know, it, it's so hard to, to sit here and talk about it, Brent, when I'm not in the locker room every single day. Uh, I'm just kind of, you know, speaking uh, for what, I, what I've seen in the locker room. But I just feel like if – if you have all these egos and you have the, these me, me first guys or whoever you want to talk about, I'm not just singing out Joan Ramsey, any guy you want to talk about. If you have those types of players, it's on you to make them fit your scheme. And if you can't make them fit your scheme, then you have to get rid of them. Now, a lot of coaches in the NFL, whether they're old school or new school, have seemed to find found a way to make players fit the scheme because I don't see other players on sidelines going after coaches, Brent. I, I don't see other players on other teams getting ejected for trying to fight somebody after, you know, somebody said something in a Chiefs game. I only see it in Jacksonville right now. So, yeah, I get it. You know, the players have to be accountable, but at the same time, there's egos everywhere. But it's, it's only happening in Jacksonville right now. Yeah, yeah there are egos everywhere. You're right. And, and that's why I do, again... I, Yes, is it on Doug Maroney's head coach? Everything gets back to the head coach. I I think there's got to be some ownership here from the players too, though. I mean, there has to be. There, and what, what? See, here's the deal: when you have a one-off thing, right? You wonder, like, okay, that was a bad moment. When you start compiling them, I and this is what I thought about when I again, you, I just heard my stance on the discipline. I think it's over talked about. I think it, it's it's not always as big a problem as people want to say. But I do have to come around on this a little bit. When you show me a graphic that has five ejections and, and second in the NFL in the last three, four years in 15-yard penalties, which are real killers yeah. in the NFL oh, yeah. uh, from a first down, whether you're on defense or offense standpoint, I have to rethink that a little bit. And I have to have to say, like, well, who is this then on? Are you being coached to do this? Well, you're not being coached to do that. Nobody is coached to act like they've been acting these last couple of weeks, and really it goes back probably to the last couple of years. But if it's a one-off thing, it's okay. If it's a constant thing, I think the question that needs to be asked is, whoa, what else is happening like Monday through Saturday? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that go on in a week. There are meetings. You can tell us about this better. There's practice. There's weight room stuff. There's more meetings, film room. And then you go play a game on Sunday. So how much are some of these guys a problem if they're a problem on the field the way they're acting maybe during the week? I don't know that answer. I'm not, well, even, I'm not even trying to suggest they are, but I think it's fair to wonder, are they? And is this a bigger deal than just what we're seeing on TV on a Sunday afternoon? But, but listen, we talk about it. Is it a big deal that we see on a Sunday afternoon? Brent, ever since the, the first preseason game against Baltimore, I came on the show every single preseason game and I said, listen, they have to address these penalties because right now they're not a very disciplined team. What happened next week? Doug Marone said we'll take care of it. Then it was another 10 penalties yeah, a game. Yeah. And then it was like 11 penalties. And it just keeps snowballing. Now, they had nine penalties uh, you know, Sunday, which, okay, I guess that's a plus. That's a win. It's under 10. You had like nine penalties. They for, were huge. Yeah, but they were giant, giant penalties. And... I'll keep saying it. You, the, the discipline and the penalties, it goes hand in hand. Show, sh, show me a very less penalized team, and I'll show you a very disciplined team. And the Jaguars are you know, neither of that right now. And we saw this in the preseason, and it still hasn't been addressed. Well, it's one thing for the players to take accountability and be like, all right, we can't get so many penalties, can't get so many penalties. But as a head coach of a football team, and you say that you have, all right, we had 12 penalties preseason game number one, 11 here, 13 the next week. 
if, if I keep saying that, I gotta look upon myself, look myself in the mirror and be like, listen, whatever we're doing right now with the culture, how we're handling these players, whatever it is, isn't working. Because these penalty yards, it's not gonna fly. But... It hasn't been addressed yet, and now it's week two of the NFL, and we're still talking about penalties, and we're talking about things on the sidelines. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it does, like I said, it goes back to Doug Marone. I do think the penalties, and you can speak to this maybe. Yeah. You played in the trenches, and I wondered this a little bit yesterday. Sometimes it's how you, okay, are you being taught the right way? Well, then it's other times, like, like we're just not good enough, so we have to try to do something else. Like, are we good enough to stop these guys so we are we grabbing Right? Are we holding? Mm-hmm. Are we on those plays? That's what made me wonder. Are you just? Is it just a bad play, or are in totality? And I think that's a fair question about the offensive line. Right? How good is it? Yeah. And are they doing these things in clutch times because they can't stop them? Yeah. Man to man. Well, you know? and I'll say this: uh, Whitney Merciless might be a Pro Bowler this year. The way he's been playing the past two weeks, you know, I, I think Will Richardson had some problems yesterday, and you saw him. They had confidence in Richardson to go one on one with Merciless. Didn't chip a lot with the tight end this week. They did last week in Kansas City, and that came to bite him back a little bit. And he, uh, by the way, has been a Jags killer. Even with Clowney there in the past, he has been a big-time player for Houston against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm not done with this topic. Let's stay on it. Marone and Ramsey, where does it go from here? Doug Marone talks in the next 45 minutes, and I think we'll get a better indication. We're live at the Golf Club at Southampton, the Dream 18 in the books for another year. Jaguars are 0-2, though, and that's what we're talking about. Star Star 690, if you want to jump in, is this a Doug Marone problem? Next on Star. Next on ESPN 690. Minshew throwing the ball was the only thing that got results on the, the field. Sunday. I think Doug Marone has lost that team. I think he should be fired. Bring in somebody else with a new voice. Well, the open mic is loud against Doug Marone, which is a little bit interesting in my opinion, given the Ramsey situation yesterday. Uh, but... They blame Doug Marone for the Ramsey part. Ramsey kind of feels like he's a... I don't know if anybody's got full control over Jalen Ramsey. (laughs) I don't know how much that explosion. Uh, But I think it also goes to the point of, should he have called timeout? Look at the play a little bit longer. Uh, Throw the challenge flag. Listen to your player. That's the one thing about it. And, like, I'm a little antsy about listening to the player. You know, you do have a system. You've got to be careful with that. Players get a little emotional. The guy's job way up there is to not be emotional. People on the sideline, people on the field are emotional. You're supposed to take that emotion out. Uh, Again, I think they miss this one, too. I'm just telling you from a procedural standpoint, I wouldn't be listening to players all the time. That's where I disagree with some folks uh, about whether you should throw the flag or not because there would be probably five times in a game that players will want you for either to pass interference or uh, stepping out of bounds or a potential fumble or a catch or no catch to throw that because it can be an emotional game when they're out there and and they feel like they saw something even though there's 55 cameras in slow-mo telling the guy upstairs, what he saw, what he didn't see. Brett Martineau, former Jags player Austin Lane, dissecting another loss for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and there's a lot to get to in this one. We've been talking about the two-point play. Was it a good idea to go for it? Was it a good play? I think we know the answer to was it a good play. It was no. What would you have called is probably a better way to phrase it. Jalen Ramsey, will he be, should he be disciplined here on a Monday by the Jacksonville Jaguars for the antics and the outburst on the sideline? And how much of this is on Doug Marone? And, well, by the way, what we do have to get to, and we will in a moment, is how about Gardner Minshew? We have some Minshew magic. And how much do the Jacksonville Jaguars need to win this football game? There's a lot happening, man, here on this Jacksonville Jaguars team right now. The bottom line is 0-2. They need to win on Thursday night. But Minshew might be the guy to get it done. Minshew, Minshew, 
I think right now has everybody believing the sky is not falling because he's been fun to watch. Yeah, you know, and listen, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves real quick, Brandon. We still have a game to win on Thursday, but you have a game coming up against Denver who looks like a pretty beatable opponent, even though it's at their house. And then you have a team now in the New Orleans Saints when we were picking our predictions like, oh, you know, the Saints are going to be a tough team. They're going to come into Jacksonville. It might not be pretty. Well, now Drew Brees is going to be out for an extended period of time. Teddy Bridgewater, while, you know, he's no Drew Brees, he did struggle a little bit against Los Angeles. So now you have a very winnable game, I feel like, too, against the Saints. You know, so it's not like the season's over by any means. And now that you sprinkle that on top with a, with a QB and Gardner Minshew, who uh, is intriguing. Now, I'm not saying he played a perfect game. You know, I mean, I felt there's a couple of times where he, he may have held the ball a little bit too long. You have to get rid of it. But all things considered, uh, your first start on the road. And listen, being a, being a quarterback in the NFL is probably not an easy job, but on the road being a quarterback in the NFL, Brent, is even probably a lot more difficult. And the fact that he showed up, you know, in a, in a pretty tough Houston place to play, and by all my accounts, man, that I watched, I thought he did a hell of a job. I, I, I thought, and, and listen, we're going to say that because of the last series where he drove down to win the game. Now, you know, maybe if he throws an interception to lose the game, we're not singing his praises that highly. But right now, sitting here on a Monday, uh, I thought Gardner Minshew played a hell of a ball game. Yeah, I mean, it was... Uh, it, even before that, and I saw people really you know, getting on him about the fumbles. Mm. And, okay, you got to hold on to the football. Get it. But they fortunately didn't lose two of them. And so take away the one, which was totally the offensive line's fault. That wasn't Minshew's fault. I don't know what he was supposed to do. Merciless put Will Richardson in the spin cycle, yeah. and he was there by the time he hit his back foot. Uh, so that was probably not preventable, although you'd love to keep the ball off the ground. But I went thinking the whole game, I'm like, man, this is not on Minshew. They are moving the ball. Every time they push the ball down the field, they get a play to DJ Chark, holding call, set you back. They get a third and one on the 40-yard line, get the first down with four net. You're almost in field goal range. Holding call pushes you back. Now, I didn't think he was doing anything unbelievable. They weren't pushing the ball down the field a lot. In fact, in the last two drives, because they had to, I thought they found a lot of success throwing the ball down the field and kind of wish they did that a little bit more <laughs> earlier yeah. in the game. But I think you got to – this isn't a video game. Mm-hmm. I think the thinking of the coaching staff is that's a good defensive front and we've got a suspect offensive line. Yeah. we got to be careful to let guys be going 25 yards down the field. So I understand their thinking. Mm-hmm. But when they started opening it up, he started pushing. Jonathan Joseph couldn't guard anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Chark and Conley and those guys started to eat a little bit, as they like to say. Yeah. Uh, so I, I like all of that. And then the composure and the runs and the getting out of bounds and everything that entailed that final drive, man. Yeah. We went from Minshew mania to Minshew magic. It, yeah. it was fun. <laughs> I mean, listen, I grew up watching Doug Flutie. Mm. And Doug Flutie, you got this feeling about him, not just on the play to beat Miami with the Hail Mary, but when he was with the Bills and then New England. And when you watched him play, you were like, something good's about to happen. There's something about to happen. Nobody believes in this guy, but something's going to happen. And you got that sense with Minshew on that drive. They got a huge break on that drive nobody wants to talk about. Leonard Fournette did not get the first down on the first fourth down attempt, Mm -hmm. but they got a great spot and they couldn't overturn it. Just the opposite of what happened actually on the two-point conversion. Correct. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah, Well, I'm not saying a great spot. I'm just saying you couldn't overturn it. Yeah, it was too close to overturn. Uh, There wasn't conclusive evidence. But, man, I got this feeling watching that game like, like they can't score all day. They yeah. can't get a touchdown, yet I feel like they're going to score right here. 
And it was very telling, too, because if you remember the very first series of, the, of this ball game here, I think the the worst thing could ever happen to Minshew happened to Minshew. And he, he got hit clean on a safety blitz. Uh, so I think it was, I want to say it was Norlo, if I remember right. Didn't pick up the blitz, didn't scrape off. He was uh, he was double teaming with the center. When, when the blitz comes through, if you're Norwell, you got to scrape off and take the blitzer. Unfortunately, Norwell no turns his back, and it's too late. And Minshew gets sacked right away. And, and you know, that's the very first drive uh, of the game, Brent. And I was like, oh, here we go again. Now it's back to Baltimore, right? Like, he, 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 the guy got a clean shot on Minshew. I'm like, well, there goes Minshew's confidence. You know, like he just got a clean hit. How is he going to respond after that now the next series? And you saw a guy who, who wasn't faltered. You saw a guy who wasn't afraid to get hit. And you saw a guy who was willing to lead his team. And, listen, we always talk about the accuracy. And, you know, maybe he missed some passes here. I remember he, he had the, the, I think it was to Fournette. Um, he had him like on a wheel route. Yes. Overthrew him. Oh, he missed like that play. Two or three yards. He missed yeah, Conley I mean, on the first drive. Yeah, and that was on Minshew. And, and oh, I, he wasn't perfect. No, no, no. And, and I get that point. And yeah, maybe accuracy was a little bit of an issue. But if we're talking about accuracy, we have to talk about the tenacity. We have to talk about his ability to stay in the pocket and take that hit on that first series and not be afraid to not back down because. Brent, not every quarterback, especially a rookie quarterback. I can't reiterate this enough. Yeah. A rookie six-round quarterback just does not do that. Well, yeah, I don't know where your expectation level was for Gardner Minshew, but he far exceeded it to me. Yeah. I, again, you're, I thought reality, we both did, right? We both yeah. thought reality might set in in this game. And from a point production total, it kind of did. You know, yeah. I mean, reality did set a little bit more mm-hmm. in. But there was still stuff kind of game within a game without the penalties that you felt pretty good about. You felt like, okay, they had some success. Now, this wasn't Kansas City moving up and down the field. But Houston's defense is a lot better than Kansas City's as well. Uh, and you couldn't run the football once no. again. So it's not like you're getting help with the play action and being able to run the football. So, yes, he missed some plays. And that's really where this this goes for me. Is I, I wonder where this gets to for Minshew. Now, you can have fun with it. We can have Minshew mania. There can be a little bit of Minshew magic. I think they should have put it in his hands on the two-point conversion to kind of help that along a little bit because that was the guy who had the momentum. That's the guy who had the good vibe, the good karma. Give it to him. Let him make something happen. That's who I want to have make something happen, the guy that has the hot hand. It's like a a basketball shooter at that point. Give it to him even if he's not maybe your go-to guy all the time. That's the way I felt about it in the two-point conversion. But you can only have so much of that stuff with L's. You've got to come away with W's. And I'm not saying it's on him. But they have to find ways to win games to kind of keep the momentum of Minshew, the belief, the confidence growing, the growth in general as a football player and an NFL quarterback. They've got to find ways to do that and get W's, and that has to start on Thursday. Well, and quick, and I want to reiterate the point one more time of that, you know, the, the choice to go for it for that two-point conversion. You, and you talked about it, Brent. Say, like in NBA or, NBA or college basketball, say, you, you know, you, you have that hot-handed guy, and there's two seconds on the clock, you guys are down by two, and you want to hit that three-pointer for the win. Well, who do you give it to? You can give it to the hot-handed guy, right? Because even if he misses, uh, you know, the basket, at least if you're a fan of that team, you can be like, well, you know what? Uh, they, they gave him the best chance to win. They didn't do it. So be it. He missed his shot. And that's the way I feel about with Minshew, too, where, you know, Minshew was rolling so much where even if, if they would have put it in his hands and maybe, you know, he overthrows the receiver, he overthrows Chark in the end zone, you know what? I'm not mad at that because at least they gave that kid a chance to win the ball game. But instead, we're sitting here talking about Leonard Fournette getting stopped, you know, on the one foot line and not giving it to the guy who had the hot hand. So from that perspective, you know, it's just something to kind of dwell on too a little bit. Where I felt like Minshew could have, you know, could have willed that team to victory. And another thing that I ask ourselves too a little bit, Brent, and I talked about this on Thursday and Friday, where 
I didn't want to see the Jacksonville Jaguars in a track meet because I figured with Houston's offense, you know, they, they showed up against say, uh, against New Orleans. I didn't want to go tit for tat, you know, the back and forth. But now you kind of have to ask the question, the way that offenses are rolling at the end, because they weren't running the ball towards them. They were just passing yeah. the ball. And it really begs the question, if can you put up 30 points a game with Gardner Minshew? Can you put up 30 points a game with this John D. Filippo offense? Yeah, I, I'm impressed in some of it, but you got to be able to run the ball sooner or later, yeah. especially with this offensive line. You can't let guys tee off. I love what they're doing with Fournette in the passing game. Oh, I know. When he's getting outside, I don't think this is a Fournette thing. Yeah, he danced a little bit, but I think uh, I think it was James Lofton on the call with Andrew Catalan, my buddy, and Lofton did bring up a good point in this game. When you see him dancing and his toes tapping, it's because he's got nowhere to go. Yeah. That offensive line is getting pushed back. Yeah. I mean, they got blown off the ball. I could not believe, and I think I teased this a little bit earlier, and I wanna, I'll tell it right now. The thing that scares me about Thursday night is how much Houston pushed the Jags' defense off the ball in the run game. Yeah, That's scary. You know why? Because that's what Tennessee does. Mm-hmm. They want to do that. They want to beat you up physically. And I was a little bit surprised by that. No, not Yannick Ngakwe, but that shouldn't impact the running game. Yeah. Calais Campbell's not healthy, you can tell. Yeah. He isn't playing good football the first couple of weeks. Marcel Darius isn't healthy, and they did not look good against the run. So it sounds like someone was listening to my reaction videos from the game yesterday, because I said the exact same thing. I said, if you're, if you're going into this Thursday night game right now, and you're losing the trenches like you did to Houston, you're not going to beat Tennessee because that's Tennessee's M.O. I mean, yeah. I, I don't care about, you know, Corey Davis maybe coming on or Mark Merrill's getting better in the pass game. No, they're going to come into Jacksonville, and they're going to try to run the ball down your throat. I am not done with this football game. There's so much more, including the Houston side of things. Was I a little right? They might be overrated. You're a little right. Yeah. I mean, no, that's one yeah. game. That's one game. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not asking for a pat on the back. I'm just no, saying. No, for sure. Are they a little overrated? I mean, Minshew outplayed Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Outplayed Deshaun Watson. That's fact. Yeah. Go look at it. Deshaun Watson hardly did anything. Yeah. More to come on ESPN 690, including balling and falling. Quarterbacks are falling all over the NFL. Hey, guys. You should have gone for the extra point, at least to a tie. The way we're playing, this would have given us a better chance. I'll continue the sound off on the Jacksonville Jaguars, and uh, some people do wanted the tie. They really did, and said, hey, yeah. they hadn't scored at all other than an 11-yard field, so they're not going to score a touchdown. I mean, I get the thinking. I understand. I see it from both ways. You know, in the hindsight, it's easiest, of course, but I don't, again, I don't mind the two-point conversion. I don't think a lot of people mind it. Uh, I just don't think they like the play. And this is me speaking from a football perspective again here, a football player perspective, Brent. Uh, you know, so say they go for two, they don't get it. I can't speak for everybody on that defensive side of the ball. I'm just speaking for like what I would have probably thought. A part of me, if I'm playing defense on the Jacksonville Jaguars, thought, you know what, Marone didn't trust in a, trust in us enough to say if it goes to overtime that we can't stop the Houston Texans offense yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, I, and that's just a part of it. I thought about that. I mean, yeah, if I'm a player, like, yeah. I thought I, about it. I, I, I would be a fan for my coach saying, you know what, let's win the game right now. We're on the road. Let's yeah. do it. Like, I'm, I'm not faulting Marone for that kind of thing at all. But I'm just saying, from the locker room perspective, you have to ask the question if some players on defense felt like, well, you know, that they kind of did us a disservice because they didn't believe that we could stop Houston. Yeah. I think uh, there was a couple of, I, I sensed that they were dragging, man, to Houston. I thought they were oh, gassed. Yeah. And I think he said, you know, well, they, they said they decided beforehand, so that didn't factor in. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was a good decision just in hindsight based on that because they looked gassed. And so you keep it on and you surprise them a little bit and they're really not even mentally ready. They think you're going to tie it up because sometimes that's part of it. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks you're just going to tie it up. So mentally you're like, wait a minute, they're going for two? Uh-oh, we might lose this game? Yeah. You know, you almost have a mental edge. 
in that situation, uh, keeping your offense out there. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane here at the Golf Club at Southampton. The Action Sports Jack Stream 18 2019 edition in the books. Raised more than $30,000 for St. Michael's Soldiers and North Florida Junior Golf Foundation. Now over $100,000 uh, for the causes awesome. uh, in the 10-year uh, history of the Dream 18. Really, five years of the golf tournament. That's when we started raising a lot of money for the charity. So we appreciate everybody's support. And Action News Jack's John Bachman was part of the festivities today with Mike Burris. He joins us from back in the studio getting ready for tonight's shows on CBS 47 and Fox 30. Hope you hit the golf ball well today, Johnny Bachman. Well, hey, fellas. Yes, I, you know what? I did actually hit the ball pretty well. We had a blast, and uh, you know, anytime you're out on the golf course during the beautiful weather with uh, Mike Burrish having fun, it's a great event. And um, Brendan, well, I just want to give you kudos, man. It was a, every year it's just a better event, and you guys are, are just doing such a great thing for our community. So thank you very much for all of your hard work that you and your whole family put into the, the event today. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good amount of work, but it was fun, and uh, we had the kids out here today, too. And yeah. by the way, Ty was supposed to volunteer, and Kaylee did help a little bit. And Ty jumps in a golf cart with one of the guys that coaches them in baseball, and they needed the fourth player, and he plays. So <laughs> and, I don't and he think must that really counts well as too. I don't think that counts as community service, man. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's a volunteer job. He he, he did volunteer. Was he was he paid? I don't think so. So yeah, oh, yeah. there you go. That's volunteer. Volunteer. <laughs> That's what, is, is he there with you? <laughs> uh, oh man, yeah. No, it was a great a great day. And again, uh, kudos to you, Brent. I mean, really, folks at home, you don't realize how hard this guy works all the time. Anyway, but especially when this thing rolls around, it is a nonstop, uh, you know, effort for him on the phone all the time, getting these sponsors together and making sure that that thing is successful for a lot of kids in our area. So I yeah, can't say enough man. about it. I will say this real quick, and uh, I appreciate it, you and Mike Burrish. I appreciate you saying that, and and um, it means a lot. Uh, and, and to me, it's a more of a our department and our, our brand, our Action Sports Jacks, and, and everybody that's associated with the TV station and now radio station. Uh, but I will say, and John, you know about this stuff. When you get in this business, and for me, obviously getting in the sports business, and I always said, I want to do a golf tournament. You know, and mm-hmm. I want to do something like, or whatever it is, you might yeah. say. You know, I want to go talk to kids and read uh, it to kids at school. You, you think about some of those things because you kind of saw it growing up. And so I've always said I want to do a golf tournament. And so to me, it is one of, it's probably my favorite day of the year just to kind of see it all come together and say, hey, I've been knowing I wanted to do this in terms of being on TV and radio and all that stuff since I was like 12. Yeah. Um, and this is part of it. This is part of the platform we get to use and try to raise some money for some great organizations and have some fun and celebrate uh, sports in our area and also have fun with people that we meet and greet and see and, and some of the connections you've been able to make over the, you know, for me now the last uh, dozen years. So it is really a cool day for me, um, you know, selfishly. But uh, a, a really a great day, I think, for, for all of us, uh, Action Sports Jacks, Action News Jacks, and, and everybody at the Cox Media Group as well. All right. Hey, what you enough of that stuff. What do you uh-huh. have uh, 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 coming up tonight on CBS 47 and Fox mm. 30? What's happening in the world? Because I, I hardly saw a thing today. Well, there's a, there's a lot going on, and I debated on which ones I wanted to highlight for you because uh, I knew we'd be talking about such a great event uh, and, and something you're so proud of. So I, I, I'm going to hold off on some of the really crazy stuff. But I will tell you this. Uh, get ready to gas up your your truck, Mike or uh, Mike Brent, because uh, your your the fuel prices are about to go up. Probably, uh, as you heard, really? probably Saudi Arabia was a, was attacked. The, the 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 production facilities were attacked by drones. They think it was Iran, probably. 
And um, the latest story out of there is that it may have cut their production in half. And so if they're not wow. able to get those facilities back up and running quickly enough, um, it could cause uh, gas prices to go up a little bit. And I know you drive a truck like I do, so uh, you know you and I are going to feel that a little bit. Well, we in, might be in the near future. down here. Yeah, we could do that. We could we could totally carpool. That'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. We should yeah. do that anyway. <laughs> we maybe should do that anyway. Uh, uh, <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, that's such a bad idea. That is the worst idea ever. That is a pretty bad idea. Unless on the way home we stop at an establishment. <laughs> well, there we go. <laughs> then we'd have an automatic designated driver. There you have That's it. That's right. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. And then I'll, I'll leave you with something a little more entertaining, more um, more Austin speed. You ready, Austin? Oh, I hope so. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. So um, a couple was, you guys might have gotten your alerts on this if you have the Action News Jacks app, but a couple was uh, pulled over. I think they were arrested for d- drunk driving, maybe, but they got put into a, a patrol car, and apparently their night of fun wasn't quite done yet, and they then got um, added charges for some of the fun they had in the back of that <laughs> patrol car. Okay, because I was seeing, like, m- more my speed drunk driving. Come on, man. But then all of a sudden he's, like, no. in the back seat. I'm like, oh, okay, I, I see where we're going. Now, now you're okay, okay with it. Now okay. you're okay well, with it. Well, I'm not saying I'm okay with it, but I'm like, ah, I see where we're going here. Why does, I got you. Why does every one of our conversations like this revert back to that time about prostitution? <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like a it just seems like a good uh, regular segment. I feel. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't By know. the way, if you're just joining us, go look at the archives. That one's too hard to explain. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess you had to be but, there. But nobody's been arrested for anything. No, okay? no, no, no. Let's just make Listen, that clear. One more. I, while we're while we're in the whole like Pat Brent on the back, we'll just do this. I'll get it all out of the way on one day, and then the rest oh, of the boy. year we can just what you know. We can give him his usual grief. There I was playing go. golf today with your with your buddy Nick, right, from the radio station, Brent? Yeah, Nick. And Nick. I said, hey, Nick, how's this show doing anyway? I'm like, is he just sucking it up or what? And and you know what Nick said is that, that you guys are doing fantastic. Like, well, I mean, your show is really doing great. So just I, a shout-out to you guys, both of you guys, because, I mean, that's that's pretty something to be proud of. You know what I mean? Give me some, yeah, yeah, give me some love it, back there, Coos. Yeah, that'll be Coos. <laughs> that's a standing Coos. ovation right there, fellas. You, you know what that was right there? That was Coos just plotting himself. Yes. Well, yes. Because he makes it go. Well, uh, but, does. hey, listen. I don't. We don't. We don't lie about the promotion part. Fastest growing sports radio That's station I mean. in Jacksonville. That's it really it. is. And uh, yeah. and this is this is what we waited for this time of year with the Jags. And it's been ugly in terms of the results. But there's been a lot of different talking points, and we're not done talking about them here today. I know you've got a show to get to. Carry on. 47 Fox 30 tonight at 5 o'clock. And, and just a reminder on the TV side, after John, Tanika, and Mike are done on TV from 5 to 7 on CBS 47 and Fox 30, we'll take over on CBS 47 live at Top Golf. You're more than invited to come on out for Jags Report Live tonight at 7 o'clock. I think we'll have a lot to talk about on the TV side as well. <laughs> yeah, Thanks, I'm John. Sure. Appreciate you playing today, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you being Thanks, having me. And uh, I'm glad they went for two. Bye. <laughs> there you go. Good thought. Get your two cents in on that one. Everybody else is. All right. When we come back, uh, I do want to get the ball and falling, but it may incorporate some of these quarterbacks. Yeah. What's the problem with the quarterbacks now? I'll give you a list of them. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger's done for the year. Drew Brees, how much of an impact is that on the Jags game? And how much has the Jags game schedule now changed, in your opinion? Will we be talking Friday if they get a win over Tennessee at 1-2 and two and half a game out in the AFC South? We'll be talking about, well, listen, Denver, they're not very good. Carolina, uh, they're not that great. Drew Brees isn't playing for New Orleans. 
It's funny how it changes in the NFL. It is. And all it takes is a W. Let's talk about it. Welcome your calls on all the issues. Star Star 690. As we continue, live from the Golf Club at Southampton, home of the Dream 18 here in 2019. Well, this just in, Doug Marone talking on his usual Marone on Monday news conference and saying no punishment for Jalen Ramsey. There will not be any discipline levied against uh, Jalen Ramsey, the Jaguars star cornerback, for the outburst on the sideline yesterday. Okay, here we go. Brent Martineau, <laughs> along with former Jags player Austin Lane. And just to reset things a little bit, Austin surprised me to a degree and didn't think Jalen was that much in the wrong. I don't want to put words in no, your mouth, No, no, right? yeah, let me go. Yeah, you want to just reiterate it yeah, one what time? Your thought on, on Jalen yesterday and how much did you have a problem with what went down on the sideline? Yeah, so basically how I'm going to say it is like this. The outbursts on the sidelines, yeah, I mean that that's never a good look for anybody, right? Like it's never a good idea, uh, you know, to yell at a coach or to raise your voice to a coach. Obviously, he's the guy that runs the show. Um, so from that perspective, yeah, probably not the best look on Jalen. But I'm also, uh, I guess you can probably say I'm taking Jalen's side here as well because uh, I've been very adamant about this, and I think. Everyone that's listening is going to agree with me. I think Jalen Ramsey is the best football player on the Jacksonville Jaguars, hands down. I agree with and, you. And I think when the best football player on a team, whether he's a captain or not, says, hey, coach, we should throw this flag right here because a play that I was directly involved in, I felt like the refs got it wrong, and you turn to your coach and say, hey, let's throw that red flag, and the coach doesn't do it. I take that as a form of disrespect, and and I take that as a form of uh, a coach not trusting a player, especially your best player. And I feel like there's other players around the NFL, and you know, and Brent, you brought up a great point. You know, we talk about wide receivers. I think it's a little different uh, being from the wide receiver standpoint than it is with the defensive standpoint, because with the wide receivers, if you're on offense you have a chance to see the play, right? Like, you have a chance to look at, you know, the, the Jumbotron or, the, the like, the people in the in the box can call down and say, oh, yeah, he, he definitely caught that ball, throw the challenge flag. On defense, it's a little different because everything's happening so fast, right? Like, you don't really have time to maybe check the replay because you have to get ready because the offense has come back out. Mm-hmm. You know, you're kind of at the offense's tempo. So there wasn't really a chance, I think, to see the replay to see if it was a catch or was not a catch. You basically were going off of Jalen Ramsey's word. And when Jalen Ramsey puts his word out there, I feel like as a head coach, you have two options. Either you trust him, you go with your players, and you say, you know what, I got your back. Because we always talk about Doug Marone having his players back, right? When when, when it was last year and Fournette was throwing those punches, when it was last year and Yellen's on the sidelines, name your time when it unraveled the Jacksonville Jaguars last year. What was always the constant of that whole thing? Doug Marone was always having his players back saying, that falls on me yeah, first. i got to take care That's of things. a very good call to bring up yeah. the history of that. Not just yeah. this year, it was last year. And, and I get that. And you know what? And as a player you respect that in Doug Marone, right? Like, the Doug Marone's basically in the trenches taking all the grenades while the players are just kind of getting, you know, off scot-free. Yeah, free pass. Yeah, but but at the same time, it, it means even more, like you say you have the players back, you say it starts with you. Well, what a better way to exemplify than having a player's back than trusting his judgment call when he says that DeAndre Hopkins didn't catch the ball. And, you know, Doug Marone stuck to his guns and said, I'm not going to throw the flag, and then we saw what transpired after that. So I'm just saying, from a former uh, player's perspective, I felt like Jalen Ramsey felt disrespected, and I felt like uh, he lost some of the trust that is so crucial in building a winning team. Well, and let's be honest, you said you bring up, you brought up the Tom Brady incident, you know, yeah. on the sideline years ago with Josh, 
Josh Daniels, McDaniels, and, yeah. And everybody's like, ah, he's got a big fire about him, and he, he loves to win. And, and by the way, there was a big segment of the Jaguars fan base, I mean, at least that I interact with on social media, sure. and I see on social media, that is similar. Like, guy loves to win. The guy's competitive. I like that about him, and they love Jalen. I mean, there, there's at least this segment does. I think a lot of people do. Uh, and so they defend Jalen on this. I have an issue with the nudge of the coach. To me, that's where it crosses the line. And I want to be clear on what I said on this, too. I thought the nudge, the yelling is one thing. You know, you're being competitive. It's emotion. It's a heated moment, and you, you disagree. Yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. TV camera is going to catch it. So what? Doug can take that. That happens all the time. That happens yeah. probably a lot more than anybody wants to admit. Yeah. Players get into it with players. Coaches get into it with coaches. Coaches get into it with players. That, that happens. It, it, it has to happen, right? That's, that's the landscape. But we saw a bump, a nudge, not a shove, but we saw, that can happen. That can happen. That crosses the line. And then I'll also say this. I thought Doug was wrong in going back at Jalen Ramsey for whatever he said to him, but it allowed the TV cameras to catch it in, in, in another blow-up. Yeah. Another uh, outburst took place, separate than the first one. So I thought he was in the wrong to do that, too. But again, to me, the nudge crosses the line of some way, shape, and form discipline. I think a, a, a suspension is too harsh right now. Jackson need to win a football game. That's part of it. But I, I think it's too harsh. I think there's heavy fine. And I really think what they should have handled it is to bench his behind for a couple of series right yeah. after that. If I was the head coach and I could go back and do that, he nudges me, I sit him down. I don't care if DeAndre Hopkins scores on the next two possessions. That's how you teach your team. Yeah. That's what happens. That's how you teach accountability. If he goes and scores because you can't defend him and you're not out there, well, you hurt the team yeah. by nudging the, the head coach. That's where I would have gone. If I could do so. it in hindsight. And Doug now and the Jaguars now are saying, we're not doing anything. And listen, I'm not sitting here saying they should have kicked him off the team or, or you know, never play him again. I feel like this incident, you kind of had to do something for Jalen Ramsey. And they did absolutely nothing. I'm surprised. Okay, so let's go ahead and break this down quick. This isn't a situation like it was in Buffalo where Leonard Fournette threw that punch and then he got disciplined far after that as well. This isn't an incident where T.J. Yeldon, uh, you know, was kind of seen moping on the sidelines in Houston during the last game last season. These aren't the instances. This isn't an instance like last year where Odo Beckham Jr. got in a fight, not one, not two, I think like three times with a kicking net. You know, like those incidents are there. Like, can you imagine having to come on the show, Brent, and talk about Odo Beckham Jr. getting in a fight with a kicking net? I couldn't have his back on that one. I've been like, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I've been like, yeah, Brent, I don't know what to tell you, man. You're like, you know, I, I, I can't talk to defend. Yeah, tough one to defend. But. The difference between those examples I just gave and the Jalen Ramsey example is this is a direct correlation of just wanting to win. It really is. It's a direct correlation of you not getting a call that you wanted, the Texans driving down there and scoring a field goal. Now, yes, did Jalen Ramsey drop a a sure-handed touchdown that would have changed the whole momentum of the game? Absolutely. Could have the interception, 88 out the gate. Uh, It's a whole new ballgame, and I understand that. But I'm just saying from the first quarter, from from that series – that could have been a big momentum changer as well. All of a sudden, it's fourth down, and the Jaguars get the ball back without that field goal from the Texans. Who knows what's going to happen? And once again, yes, hindsight's twenty twenty. yada, yada, yada. But I'm just saying, I, I, if I was a head coach, I have a hard time, and whether you think he nudged him, whether it was just a, a miscommunication, whatever it was, I mean... I don't think there's a lot of malice behind it, but that's up for debate, and I understand that. But if I'm a head coach 
and I, I take a look at myself, and I'm like, let's analyze what just happened. A player got mad at me, a player yelled at me, and a player might have nudged me. Why? Because I didn't listen to him, I didn't make the call, and in my heart of hearts, I assume that he just wants to win so badly, he wants to be successful, he's tired of losing, that he may have overreacted a little bit. And if that's the case, if I'm a coach, I'd be like, you know what, let's talk about it, let's hash this out, let's speak man to man, and let's move on from there. And I, I wouldn't discipline him. Now, if it's Odell Beckham Jr. and you're kicking, you know, field goal or uh, kicker nets or something like that, or if you're causing distraction on the sidelines that's directly correlated to you just being selfish, well then, yeah, you're sitting because there's no there's no room for that. See, and call me, you call me hypocrite, whatever you want to call me, but I think with what Ramsey did, how he acted, I think there is room for it because there's a direct correlation of him being pissed off because that call didn't help them win the ball game. Yeah, you know, it's it's. I think it's fair to ask this question. I don't know if I believe this, but I do think it's fair to ask this question. What is Tom Coughlin's role in that? <laughs> like, there is no way. Is is there, or is this a different Tom Coughlin, or am I out of my mind? But Tom Coughlin, a Tom Coughlin football team has any tied to? There's no discipline for that. Hmm. Do you believe that? I mean, do you believe if Tom Coughlin? He had some issues in in New York, by the way. He had Odell for a, he had Strahan. He had guys, and he had issues. And sometimes he, you know, he wasn't always a disciplinarian as much as people think. Yeah. He had some leeway to him. But well, is it fair to wonder and, and fair to ask and be like, Tom Coughlin's not doing anything anymore in this team? Like, really, doesn't even have a, hand, a handprint on this no. team because this is Doug Marone's team. And I'm not saying that's the wrong thing. I'm not saying he should be calling all the punches. I'm just saying, does this kind of does this kind of uh, change the perspective of kind of the pecking order in that Jags building right now when there's absolutely no discipline for Jalen Ramsey after yesterday? And by the way, Ramsey, it is important to note out has a history. He this isn't a one-off thing with Jalen. He got suspended a year ago in training camp. He for was, fight, well, for he, fighting. He yeah. was fortunate, well, for yelling well, at the media, really. Okay, yeah. But that, I think, was a buildup of things. We have yeah. no idea other things that have happened, and I'm not suggesting they are, but who knows if some have. And he almost put himself in jeopardy getting kicked out last week. So this isn't like the first time, is my point. Mm-hmm. But let's go back to what I asked. Well, I mean, Tom Coughlin, is I'm he gonna... even a factor in that building anymore? I'm going to shoot this question to you straight, and I, I want your honest opinion here. Uh, and you, you can take Tom Coughlin in, in the mind or not. If the Jaguars were to bench Jalen Ramsey for a couple series, a quarter, maybe even a half, who knows, maybe even a game. Maybe maybe there's new footage out there that shows Jalen Ramsey blatantly pushing Doug Marone. Yeah. Say that happens. If you were to suspend him at all, do you lose Jalen Ramsey then in trying to get him a, a new free agent deal? When, when you try to sign him back, do those thoughts of Jalen Ramsey getting benched, do those linger with himself? Do those linger with the agent? And now all of a sudden it's like, you know what? I, I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. And I'm, I'm you know, hitting up the deuces. Yeah, but I feel like there's already been five incidents we've asked that question about. Not really incidents like this, but things. You know, yeah. whether they didn't pay Yannick Ngakwe or whether they told them they weren't going to work on it. You know, I feel like we've brought that up before. Like, well, oh, Jalen's not going to want to go sign a big extension here in Jacksonville. No, yeah. And, now I think you kind of wonder, again, we don't know what goes on day-to-day, but if things are going on day-to-day for the Jaguars that they don't like, and there's a lot more of this stuff from number 20, do they want him around? I mean, I know we're all asking, does Jalen want to be here? Mm-hmm. 
but do they want him around? And the bottom line what, is, we don't know if this regime will be around. Yeah, no, exactly. I feel like you can't think like that if you're Doug Marone, if you're Tom Coughlin right now. But you brought up a great point, Brent. It, it is weird that it seems like as the weeks, as the months have progressed, I feel like Tom Coughlin's thumbprint is getting just more and more just fading away from the whole situation, you know? And we saw that kind of start when the Jaguars, uh, and I forgot what the situation even was, was where they faced uh, a possibility of tampering, was it? What was the something with Coughlin where he said something or did oh, something? Oh, yeah, that was at the, the, the um, uh, state of the franchise when he said he wanted 100% of the players here. There we go, yeah, yeah. It seems like ever since then. That's a good call. Ever since then. We haven't really heard of Coughlin. We haven't really seen his thumbprint on any of this team. Very good call there. That's good remembering. You didn't misremember. You were I didn't right. misremember, yes. <laughs> I'm right. Every once in a while I can remember something. Hey, more of this and more quarterback talk. Wow. Uh, what's your reaction to it? Is Tom Coughlin even a factor in the building for the Jaguars anymore? And uh, we will get the ball in the fall, and I promise. It's all it's good. On action I got time. On ESPN <laughs> 690. The Jaguars would have actually won a game. Ramsey was right Oh, there you go. A little sound off on actually. That was me, actually. ESPN that was, that was me after the game. I had a little bit too much to drink, and I apologize. <laughs> he certainly agrees with you, that caller right there. Uh, by the way, you can jump in on the phone lines anytime, really. Start start 690. But on a game day when the emotions are flowing, yeah. and maybe not the only thing flowing, <laughs> jump in on start start 690, and you can leave a message uh, with your thoughts, and we will uh, play them here on. Reaction and overreaction Monday, but there's plenty to react about for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And once again, if you're just joining us, no discipline for Jalen Ramsey set off by the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Doug Marone says uh, no suspension, no discipline, no nothing of the kind. And I almost wonder, thinking about this one more time, and uh, uh, we'll get to some of the things. This is such a big topic. It's an interesting topic. It, I think it, it could go a long way of maybe the path this football team leads that we don't really see, but how it internally operates. You know, that relationship between the coach and the locker room. Yeah. And we don't see that. that. That's not a visual thing for everybody, but it's a thing, right? You've it played is. in them. I mean, that is a thing. Mm-hmm. And an important part of the cog in a football season, a long football season at that. So it'll be interesting on that front. They did not do anything. They, they chose not to. And before the break, I asked you this, and it, it just gets to thinking, and you brought up a great point, when Tom Coughlin said at the state of the franchise, we want 100% participation, yeah. and there were some players that were not there, Jalen Ramsey included, hmm. he has been quiet ever since then. The league issued a statement at that point, mm-hmm. but I think it's bigger than that. It's beyond that. When you see a situation like yesterday, and nothing happens, isn't it fair to question whether Tom Coughlin is even putting a fingerprint on the football team at all anymore. I think yeah. the first year when they went 2017, they went to the AFC Championship game, everybody gave the love to Coughlin. Everybody like, hey, Coughlin, he changed it. From a Gus Bradley player's coach, no accountability, mm-hmm. no discipline, he changed it. Man, here comes Coughlin back, the sheriff's back in town, and everybody's wearing khaki pants. Nobody can walk down the halls anymore, and this football team got it. They were better. They won football games. Boy, Bortles played the best year of his career, and the credit was T.C. is back. Yeah. And I'm not saying he doesn't deserve some of that credit. I think Doug Marone deserves a lot of that credit, too. But Tom Coughlin got a lot of the credit. Mm-hmm. Well, last year, everybody got a little bit of the blame, in my opinion. And now it's almost, like you said, fading away in terms of the fingerprint on the on the football team. It's almost ghost-like. We don't really hear 
from Tom Coughlin. Yeah. We don't see Tom Coughlin. There's not a sense at all. I don't feel like people are saying, oh, Tom Coughlin's out on that practice field. No doubt about that. He's pulling the punch. He's calling the shots. This is Doug Marone's football team. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means necessarily. I'm not saying it's even a bad thing. But if for anybody who thinks this is like a Tom Coughlin run deal, no, I think this is a, an exclamation point that this is Doug Marone's football team because Tom Coughlin, I think, would have probably wanted to discipline Jalen Ramsey. I can't <laughs> believe he would not want to discipline yeah. Jalen Ramsey. So I think like we talked about, Brent, I think when that whole thing came out, he said he wanted 100% participation, which, by the way, I mean, that's not a shocker that Tom Coughlin said that, right? Like, it wasn't like he said that, like, oh, I can't believe he would say such a thing. No, that's that's Tom Coughlin to a T. But then what happened, Brent? He got in trouble for saying it. And, you know, and uh, I can't remember if he apologized or not, but he seemed remorseful. You know, he just, he seemed like he wanted just to get a point across. But then he goes kind of just, you know, off the grid and quiet after that. And it, it kind of begs the question here. And to me, it reminds me of, like, Shawshank Redemption. All right, it reminds me of the character Brooks. When Brooks is in jail for so long and he's used to doing the things a certain way, right? Tom Coughlin's used to doing things the old school way, the old school mentality, whether it was in Jacksonville for his first stint or it was in New York. There was, a, there was an expectation, there was a way players acted, and it was his way or the highway. Well, he comes back to Jacksonville now, and just like Brooks was in Star Trek Redemption when he got out of jail, <laughs> and he realizes that, holy crap, the whole landscape's changed. And maybe... You know, maybe I just, I can't relate. Maybe I can't adjust anymore. You know, maybe it's just, it's not worth the effort. And I'm not trying to talk bad about Tom Coughlin at all. I mean, I've talked to him a couple times. I got a lot of respect for that dude and the way he coaches, you know, and his philosophies. I'm just saying that if you look at the the landscape of the league now, it's a young man's league. Um, It's a young man's game. And and the game has changed. But, like, I always talk about all the time. And, listen, I've been out of the game now for five years and i see the things that happen i'm just like dang man like back when i played i said back when i played dude that was five years ago that's not that long ago 31 i'm 31 years old and i'm saying back when i played all the time when i see like these new players but it's just the way it is and i think like i've said before on the show many times the great coaches they can adapt and they can make it work for them and if you can't unfortunately then you're a you're you're a fossil you're a dinosaur and you have to get out of the way and let let the new school guys come in just the way it is and i think doug marone even feels old at at times i mean it's not this isn't like a 72 year old man 73 year old man or a 50 five-year-old man thing this is just like a change in the culture of of the nfl we talk about branding a lot there's Mm -hmm. more player empowerment and there's a lot of money on the line now and those players are making a lot of money so i just think it it, it has to be tom coughlin i'm not saying he has no influence i'm not saying he's not respected this isn't a against coughlin Mm -hmm. i'm just saying i think it's crystal clear this is doug marone's football team yeah and tom coughlin is not influencing it if there is no discipline for jalen ramsey that would have been a a Stamp from Tom Coughlin. It's not happening. One other thing, I think Doug Marone realizes he made a mistake yesterday. This is the only conclusion I can get, that he should have disciplined him right then and sat him out for a couple of series at the very least. And so, Because he didn't do it, he missed his chance. There's that, but there's also that you guys asked this question as well. If you were to sit Jalen Ramsey, how does the team respond to that? Because listen, I don't know what the team thinks of Jalen Ramsey. I don't know what the team thinks about Doug Marone. But yesterday, during that altercation, yeah. I saw a lot of teammates having Jalen Ramsey's back as opposed to having the head coaches back on that sideline. Very good point. Uh, an hour to go here on the show. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Your thoughts, Star Star 690, anytime. It was the right decision, but the wrong call. 
you got a quarterback with a hot hand driving down the field in the fourth quarter. There's no reason why you should have put the ball in Leonard Fournette's hand. He hadn't done anything in the second half. Quarterback was red hot. He should have had the ball in the final play. Oh, sound off from the Jacksonville Jaguars game. You can do that each and every game. All you got to do is call Star Star 690. Brett Martin along with Austin Lane here on a Monday. Jaguars are 0-2, 13-12 losers against the Houston Texans, but they turn around, they play Thursday night in a huge, huge game. We were at the golf club at Southampton, just had our Action Sports Shack Stream 18 for this year. Uh, another fun event, raised over $30,000 for St. Michael's Soldiers and North Florida Junior Golf Foundation, and now we go over $100,000 in the history of the Dream 18. Thanks for everyone who supported it, come out and play, and, uh, well, has put up with me talking about the Dream 18 for the last decade, really. But, <laughs> no, as, as you should talk about it, man, because this is a cool thing. I mean, listen, I can't even plan what I'm going to wear for the next day, but, uh, you know, for you to organize this whole event here, it's my first year actually kind of knowing about it and uh, seeing you do your thing with it. Pretty cool deal, man. So congratulations. Thank you. And you got a shirt out of it, which is it was light gray, but it's a little well, dark dude, gray. Well, dude, I mean, genius, though, right? Because you got me a gray shirt, and when I sweat through it, it's just like it's a dark gray shirt now. So You're it's a all sweater. Uh, well, well, first of all, it's hot. I'm just yes. saying it's hot. Well, thank like, you. Like, like today's yeah. not, it's not terrible. Like, no, we've had sure. hotter days. Yeah. And we are kind of in the sun. We're trying to... Actually, well, I'm in the sun. You're, you're kind of in the shade. It's, it's all right, yeah, though, man. It's, it's all good. Well, you're a little darker than me, so you need a little more sun. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, I think this maple syrupy brown skin as maple syrupy as possible. Appreciate it, man. I'm trying to get my summer body back. Listen, I guess. we're trying to get, make it look good it's for the, the fall. folks at home. Yeah, I guess so. uh, whatever. Listen, back to the uh, two point conversion. We'll hear from Doug Marone on Jalen Ramsey in just a moment too, and we're going to hear from Doug Marone on the two point play. But that caller just said Leonard Fournette was doing nothing all day, and I think he's right. I don't know if he was hammering Leonard Fournette, but I, I do want to make it clear on this front: that was not a Leonard Fournette problem. Leonard Fournette with one heck of an effort. The reason why that was a bad call is because, in my opinion, you said, hey, the worst part of our offense, our offensive line that's killed us most of the day on several fronts, anytime it's been a big situation, we're going to put this in your hands to block a good front and let Leonard get in the end zone. See, that's not a Leonard thing. Leonard needs the line to push. There was no push. Mm -hmm. Leonard actually made a heck of a second effort to even give that a chance to get in the end zone. Otherwise, he would have been stopped at the two-and-a-half-yard line. So be careful here. That wasn't a Leonard Fournette thing Yeah. as much as it is an offensive line thing, and I think that's where they made an error in the decision-making process. Now, there is one other thing about it. Do you fall in love with Leonard Fournette too much because you say he's our bell cow and he's our, our guy and our best player on offense and we feel that way so we want him to be the guy? We had said earlier, give it to the hot hand, right? You know, sometimes name your player outside of Michael Jordan and, and whoever else. They might have the hot hand. Steph Curry might have the hot hand. Or not a hot end. It might be your best player. Yeah. But you might give it to another guy because Derek he's, Fisher. he's hot. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. That's probably a bad example because Curry's a big star. But you get my point. Like, no, for sure. Keep it in the guy that was making plays. And that was Minshew at the time. Let him make one more play for you. He had just made five plays for you on that drive. Yeah, exactly. And you mentioned it. Why would you want to put the ball... Uh, you know, with the game on the line, with your offensive line, who you know hasn't blocked well all day in the run game. I mean, Gardner Minshew was your leading rusher of the day. You know, those are now it's back to the whole Blake Bortles thing again, right? Why would you put that on your offensive line in Leonard Fournette's hands? And I can guess because I saw this on Twitter a little bit uh, after the game. It's like, well, who's to say the offensive line would have blocked if it was a pass? 
right? People got to remember, and then let me break it down for everybody real quick. So when you're in a goal line situation, Brent, and you're a defensive lineman, because, hey, guess what? I played it a couple times. When you're in a goal line situation, the last thing you are worried about when it's, you know, games on the line, on the whatever, the two-yard line, you are not worried about trying to get to the quarterback and get a sack. Okay, you're worried about being the guy on film that gets driven back five to six yards that loses, you know, the, the game for your team. Because I guarantee the next day, if the Texans would have, you know, gave up that run, there's going to be a guy dreading going in that film room, watching that last play, and seeing him get, get, get driven back in slow motion, costing that team the game. So with that being said, guys on the defensive line, they're always going to play the run first over the pass. Now, J.J. Watt, if you remember, and I think he said this in the press conference after, he's like, yeah, I had my eyes on Minshew the whole time. I was playing the quarterback. Well, yeah, because you had contained. All right, and those people were trying to make that point too today I saw on Twitter. It's like, well, J.J. Watt said that they were playing the pass the whole time, so the run's a good point. Well, J.J. Watt, if you go back and watch the play, he had contained the whole time. So, of course, he was playing the quarterback because that was his guy. Watch the play of J.J. Watt again. He does nothing. J.J. Watt stands up and, you know, watches Minshew. Uh, you're not used to seeing that from J.J. Watt, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually you see him, J.J. Watt, swim move, you know, go down and make the tackle. But that was Watt's responsibility on that play. So, from the fact that, like, I talked about it in the beginning of the show, Brent, when you have the box stack, when you have eight guys, when you have Tayshawn Gibson coming right into the tight end's face and saying, it's probably going to be a run here. I'm not worried about the tight end. When you have the other safety coming downhill, not worried about the three re- receivers that are in trips right now, and this isn't a this isn't a bunch of trips. The trips are wide, you know, so the receivers are going to be open. When you have those type of things, you got to put it in your quarterback's hands because let me ask this question, Brent. Are you confident in, in D.D. Westbrook? Yeah. Are you confident in D.J. Char? You know, are, are you confident? The first couple weeks, I am. Are you confident in Chris Conley? Same thing. Well, then there you go. Yeah. You know? Well, you bring up a good point. So in what you're saying, Houston gambled, right, a little oh. bit and said, hey, let's see if the rookie can beat us. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, all, in the, all things indicate that they're going to put it in Gardner Minshew's hands, and they're like, we're going to stop the run. We're not worried about Fournette. We'll take care of that, no problem. Let's see if the rookie can beat us. Yeah. And guess what? You never got, you never got to find out. Well, but, they won. Yeah, but they, but yeah, they, they won. They but, yeah. but you never got to find out if Minshew could beat you or not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Listen to Doug Marone talking about the two-point play. He just spoke to the media in the last half hour and uh, doesn't regret it other than the fact that it didn't work. The call at the end of the game, I can only tell you what, what went into it. You know, you, we think about, you know, this a lot. One of the situations that we talk about every week is, hey, listen, we're going for two to win the game. What's going to be our call? You know, and we have a bunch of two, two-point play calls on the sheet. Like I said before, I, I, I thought about it prior to the drive with the different scenarios. You know, if they were going to come with pressure, we were going to be able to throw the football. You know, if they weren't going to come with pressure, we were going to give the ball to, to Leonard and, and run. A great chance either either which way what they wanted to do. I love the play. It looked good all week. We just, uh, at the end of the day, didn't get enough push. Well, they didn't. But, again, kind of goes back oh. to they hadn't got a push all day. They haven't got a push all day, but also the pressure, Brent. I mean, th- th- there was eight guys coming downhill, you know, towards Leonard Fournette. To me, that's pressure. So if that's the case, then you got to pass. Absolutely. I don't <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Listen, I'm a, I'm a defensive-minded guy, right? So uh, maybe I have no uh, position to talk about the offense. But I'm just saying, if you got single coverage on every single wide receiver outlined out on trips, you got to have confidence in your guys. Hey, we're gonna get to Doug Marone's reaction on Jalen Ramsey coming up in just a moment. Uh, but first, we're celebrating the end of the Action Sports Jacks Dream 18. We celebrate the day, but if you don't mind me, I'm gonna celebrate the end of it as well. <laughs> uh, a little happy hour horn with Vita DeLuis. 
rising up for everyone to win. We're gonna make this party the best thing I've named. This is my favorite place. Nothing right will replace. No. Nothing. Anything goes. And the gangsters are rolling. Half face smiling. And so oh I boy. think of the rhythm while you're drinking. Anything goes. Grab a drink, get a shot, and tip your star tenders. Yeah, you continue to count the number of players in the box on that play. And I I'll will. Continue to, I'll uh, keep showing talk it. a little bit about <laughs> Vita De Louis. Uh, 94 rating recently for Vita De Louis, and they're celebrating big time out in California as well at a festival. Uh, Vita De Louis, locally owned tequila right here in Jacksonville. And they want to help our friends in the Bahamas, too. Vita De Louis has friends all over the world. That includes the Bahamas. Help them raise money for Treasure Key Relief Fund and Hopetown Rising. You can do that by going to the website, VitaDeLouis.com. 50% of all the merchandise will go to these funds. Also want to thank Vita De Louis as they were uh, one of the supporters of our Action Sports Jacks Dream 18 today. In fact, all the winners, the first place teams, there were two of them, one for gross and one for net score, and uh, all of them go home with a bottle of Vita De Louis tequila, among other things. And by the way, you know one of the things? Championship belt. Ooh. So who ended up winning it today? Um, Scobie's group won uh, one yeah. of them. Okay. Uh, they had a good group. And uh, folks from the Best Bet okay. also won first place. I forget which one, Gross or Net. And uh, then we had a couple of second place teams, okay. too. Okay, well, you, you're saying words like Gross or Net, and I don't those yeah, mean, but that, that's okay. Gross no? is basically what they shoot as a team, and then you factor in the handicaps or the scoring system okay. that we use, and that's a different scoring. Okay. Uh, so not just like, well, it usually Sounds works fair, out the best players win, but okay. they try to make it fair. Well, hey, Brent. Yeah. yeah. By the way, I was going to say, uh, was it 17 where you got to kick the soccer ball to yeah. see where you saw? I thought that was a little unfair that Scobie got to kick one. Well, you know, and word is, somebody told me this. I, I heard this, too. I have no... Did, did you hear somebody I heard said this. he, he oh, yes. kicked it 90 yards? Well, I heard, he, I heard he actually got beat, though. Oh, he did? Uh, I heard, he heard 90 I heard yards is like gentleman. a football. Can you kick a soccer ball mm. 90 yards? Is that normal? I don't think I don't, that's normal. I don't think that's normal. How, I think somebody must have been joking with me. How long is the soccer that. field in the first place? I don't know, but yeah, a football field's 100 yards. Yeah. Can a soccer player kick from one end to the other? I mean, sometimes the goalie can. Yeah. I think. No? I'm, I'm getting ready. I'm Googling. Honestly, I have no idea. I really don't. So I, I don't know Sorry. if he could. Now, he used to soccer play some pitch, soccer. By the way. Yeah. I think he kicked it well. I think 90 yards might have been a gross miscalculation. Um, kind of like trying to flex on his drive, probably. But sure. somebody did beat him on the soccer kick? Yeah. Uh, so I've heard. Was it the Jacksonville Armada? Who was <laughs> yeah, it might have been. I just had someone someone uh, said that they beat him. All right. So a soccer field or a football pitch is flexible in size. It is up to 100 to 130 yards long. So, yeah. I don't know. Well, I think so then. You can kick a soccer ball. Derek, who uh, owns uh, the golf club at Southampton, played in that group. Yeah. Um, just said it was lasered. Lasered. <laughs> So I tried to kick today too, and it, it almost went into the pond. Dude, I feel like you're gonna have a lawsuit. I mean, I'm not telling you how to run your own tournament here, but you might have a lawsuit in your hands if someone like tears their ACL trying to kick a soccer. We ball. signed just, waivers here at the Action really? Sports Jacks Room right. Eighteen. Fair enough. Good, good, smart <laughs> I think, man. I don't smart. know. I'm just I mean, saying, man. It's sponsored partly by the law offices of Ron Scholl, so I think okay. Ron will help us out. <laughs> well, I'm just saying the last thing I want to do is have to work for somebody else because they sued us. The only way to pay him back is to give him our radio show. Yeah. So. Thanks again to, uh, by the way, the law offices of Ron Scholl, the Jacksonville Giants, and the Players Championship for being our presenting sponsors. The Cadillac uh, Dealer Association. They are our title sponsor here today. At
Ten Sports Jacks Dream 18 almost gave away that car, man. Three feet. That was uh, the one, one only three feet. And another one, Stuart said, rolled by. Okay. Um, but not good enough for the car. One of these days, we're going to get a hole-in-one here on the Action Sports Jacks Dream 18. Before we send it to break, Coos, I want to get to ball and phone. We will. i got to talk about these other quarterbacks going down. And I want to see what the schedule now lines up like for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But... We've been talking a lot about Ramsey and the discipline and everything going on with Jalen yesterday and that whole situation. Uh, let's hear from Doug Marone uh, about a half hour, 45 minutes ago now on the Ramsey situation. No, those things, I mean, those things happen. They happen all the time. I mean, I think now they're, they're a little bit more publicized, but ever since I, you know, played, you know, there's always stuff that goes on during the course of the game. Just I know when I was a line coach, they didn't see a lot of them, though, you know, because no one was really in on them. You know, those things occur, and it's, it's a high-intensity profession. You know, there's a lot of emotion that goes on. I'm sure you guys know, just as fans, you know, when you see the fans in the, in the stands, you know. You know, they're playing in a the game, they're locked in. Like I said before, we had a lot of intensity going into that game. We knew it was going to be a tough game. It was going to be on the road. We wanted to match that intensity. You know, the Texans, you know, coming off that, that tough loss that they had, we had it all, we were all jacked up. You know, do you like that being on? Uh, you know, when you don't win games, that, that stuff's going to be on. You know, that, that's going to be, it's going to be part of the thing that, that people are going to talk about. You know, when you win, a lot of times everyone just moves on and talk about the win. It's just the way it is. Well, that is true. He's right about that. Correct. But I don't think they were moving on from this one. This is a tough one for Doug to dance around, and he's dancing. Let's just be honest. I mean, you're dancing around this. Talk about intensity. What's it going to be like for Tennessee then when Tennessee comes here Thursday night? Is someone going to get the jackknife powerbomb on a table if something doesn't go right? And what is so noticeable, and what is still a bit, I don't know if it's surprising, but maybe remarkable, is at times how much Doug Marone publicly has the players back. Mm -hmm. And, And he does. I don't know what else to say about it. He does. He didn't throw Miles Jack under the bus, doesn't throw Jalen Ramsey under the bus, no discipline in this situation. I think that the players owe Doug Marone. I mean, it was an easier camp. He gave him a lot of leeway. Don't the players owe Doug Marone? I mean, he's yeah. taking care of them, man. They no. better start playing like it. Yeah. No, you're you're right at that aspect, Brent. Um I'm just I'm still kind of taken back by what Marone just said in that press conference, you know, well, because well, it's, it's, it's hard it's, to dance around that thing, man. Yeah, what else do you but, say? Emotions, intensity. There's no way to sugarcoat this. They lost their cool. They shouldn't have lost their cool. Yeah. He shouldn't have nudged the coach. Marone shouldn't have gone back over. And somebody should have been probably disciplined for that. Yeah. And, 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 he, and he missed the boat on it. He probably should have disciplined him right there, held him out for a series or two, and said, you're not going back in until you cool down. Yeah. And, and that was it. Or Doug Marone should have thrown the challenge flag, and then he should own up to it and say, I should have thrown the challenge flag. This wasn't on Jalen. He was right. I made the mistake. No, for You're sure. not getting any of those kind of answers, so he's trying to dance around it. And I know, I get it. Sometimes you have to do that as the coach in front of the media, but, but it's, there's, there's no listen, way to do it. This is, but this isn't who Doug Marone is, right? And look, I said it before on this show, Brent, the coaches that I played for, the coaches that really stick out to me, whether it was high school, college, or football, the ones I speak super highly of are the coaches that were true to themselves. Whether they would chew you out or embarrass you from the team or whether they were more players, coaches, and laid back, it didn't matter because at the end of the day, I respected them for being themselves. you got to ask your question right now, and you brought it up a little bit. I mean, has it got to the point now where Doug Marone literally just kind of handed over the keys and he's not being true to who he is as a coach, and now players are seeing through that? And you have to ask yourself that question because I'll tell you what, whether it's on a radio show, whether it's on in a football locker room or whatever it is, 
if I have a job to do, I'm going to do it to who I am as a person. And if people don't like it, then so be it. I'll, I'll see you guys later, but at least I stay true to who I am. The last thing I want to see happen to Doug Marone now is to be walked out of, you know, is to be fired from the Jacksonville Jaguars in a result of him not being himself. Well, the players have two decisions. Take advantage of that and do whatever the heck they want to do on the football field, yeah. discipline or none, or they can have their coaches back and appreciate that and show some loyalty to that. All right, now they're 0-2 and not the best behavior on the football field in doing so. So uh, they certainly have not shown the loyalty in having Doug Marone's back. When we come back, balling and falling, what's going on with quarterbacks? And now the Jags' schedule doesn't look as difficult. Although when you're 0-2, everything's hard. It's next on ESPN 690. We continue to get better, and, and I see that. There's some guys, you know, there's a lot of good stories. They're hard to write when you don't win. You know, Trey Herndon, guys that stepped up, you know, came in there and played. Quincy made some good plays. I thought Smoot played his butt off, you know, played real hard. Taven, you know, got some movement, uh, you know, did some things. And there's a lot of good stories in there, but, again, they're, they're only good stories when you win. Yeah, that's true. And there were some guys that played well. Quincy Williams, man, he yeah. really laid that. That was an awesome hit. <laughs> yeah, That's absolutely. what everybody's been talking about, by the way. They said once this guy gets pads on and he can fly exactly. and he likes to be violent, yeah. and you saw it on that play. Mm-hmm. That was, that's a fun play for a well, linebacker. And listen, and the game's going to come slower to him as time progresses and everything, and once that happens, you got a special player there because he's already showing glimpses of you know playing 100 miles per hour, not hesitating. Once he gets the entire game down and he can diagnose things better, yeah, it's going to be uh, – He's going to be a good player. Let's just say Absolutely. That. Brent Martin, Austin Lane here at the Action Sports Jacks Dream 18. We're at the Golf Club in Southampton. Thanks for hanging out with us. Had a great day. And uh, we're about to do balling and falling. And really, balling is everybody that helps put uh, this tournament on and supports the tournament and the charities. Now over $100,000 raised in the Action Sports Jacks Dream 18. 30000 of it today. By the way, it was 30000 $300, and I added $33 to the charity just so I could get a little Larry Bird mention in. Oh, there we go. Nice, man. Yeah, throw him for Larry Bird. Why not? I tried to do that. You know, I tried to do that when I sold my house, I should say our house, in uh, <laughs> Albany, New York. I yeah. had actually had my real estate license, and so I kind of helped sell it. Mm-hmm. And when we did, the price was somewhere, I forget where it was at, but it was close to, and hover. I was like, well... It was like 333 was somewhere in there. Okay. And I was like, hey, can we just make it 333? And, like, they did not find it humorous. Yeah. Like, they didn't want to do it. Okay. I think it might have even saved them a couple bucks. And yeah, for sure. I was like, what the heck? Yeah. Like, it might have been, like, 400. I said, let's go back to 333. Yeah. I want to say I sold my house just for some and had 333 in there. Yeah. They weren't having it. Grew up watching Larry Bird every night. They weren't having it. So, uh, yeah, it didn't happen. Well, let me ask this question quick, though. I mean, because, you know, you're a baseball player, obviously. I mean, did you have aspirations to play basketball, like watching Larry oh, yeah. Bird and everything? Yeah. Like, well, yeah. When I was a kid, when I was, like, uh, 11 and 12 and probably into 13, I played some middle school basketball, and I was really short. Yeah. You know, I mean, Ty's small, and that's my fault. Yeah. Um, and so I was really <laughs> Don't small. Don't beat but, yourself up, But, man. see, the great thing about Ty is, like, he's pretty good at handling it. Like, I can bust his chops or something, sure. and people always bring it up, and he's smaller than everybody else, and he'll grow. It's coming yeah. soon, but it, it just takes a while. But he is better than I was handling it. Oh, you're fighting everybody. Oh, no, I was just like, I had a complex about it. Oh. You know, because, and I think part of that was I, was I wanted to play basketball. And so, like, I would have literally, like, Mom, when am I going to grow? When are yeah, the doctors? Bummer, What's the doctor dude. saying? Yeah. How much am I going to be? Can I can I hang from a tree or something <laughs> like this? Yourself out? You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. Anything. Yeah. I mean, I'm 11, 12 years old, and everybody else is growing, and I'm tiny. Yeah. And so, but I did. That's how much I like basketball. Yeah. I liked playing, but there comes a time in hoops, unless you're just super fast mm-hmm. or, and really quick, that really your size does matter. True. And it you 
you feel like just a midget out there. Yeah. And uh, that was the case for me. So I'd already always played baseball too, but I did yeah. love basketball. Like I watched, I know I watched Bird, but I watched like Pistol Pete. Uh, oh videos, yeah, man! And I would sure. go. Out, I mean, I would stay out till ten, eleven o'clock at night in the driveway and shoot hoops yeah. and work on my dribbling and everything else. I really did like. The, the, uh, those are two cool. classic examples of guys who shouldn't have swag, but like <laughs> yeah. th- 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 they had that's more swag point. than anybody. You that's know, like really they, they almost like were swagless so much that they had like the most swag out of anybody. That's true. Shout out uh, to Pistol Pete. Hey, we're gonna bring in uh, Submarine Mike here. He wants to jump in on balling and phone. He's been hanging on. Sorry, man. Uh, we had to tell some little old school basketball story. Uh, but <laughs> that's uh, my fault. Let's jump in. What you got? So, Ballin, I want to give Ballin to the Iceman's new third jersey. Straight fire. Oh, very good. Oh, yes. Very good. All my money. Yes. <laughs> Agreed. Absolutely. And then, Ballin, I got to give to Jalen Ramsey. Uh, this is I'm seeing the same things now with him that I saw with Antonio Brown as a Steelers fan about seven, eight years ago. It starts small like this, and, I, and I'm not trying to make anybody mad. I'm not, this isn't some troll or I'm trying to stir the hornet's nest. I'm just being straight honest with you. Mike Tomlin did a lot of the same things of covering up and saying all these things happen with Antonio Brown. I, I, I swear I could go back and it's almost mirrored and like, it's like listening to, take and listening to Mike Tomlin, just a different voice. And, yeah. and it worries me because those guys are getting, there's a hierarchy in any job. And some, and I think the NFL players are are losing that hierarchy because they think, well, I'm great and I'm better than this coach. That's how it comes across, at least. And Austin, you played, so you know better than me. But I'm just telling you how it's coming across. Oh no, absolutely, Mike. And first of all, man, don't ever apologize for having an opinion on this show, man. If you got something to say, you say it, man. Don't, don't you don't have to apologize for anything like that. But um, yeah, you know, I, I do get what you're saying with you know going down the Antonio Brown uh, route a little bit and. I would say that, well, if you look at Jalen Ramsey's history, he hasn't done anything that has warranted distractions outside of football. you know. But then we can point to the GQ article and say, well, yeah. he did the GQ article, and one could argue, well, that was kind of a distraction to the team, and that wasn't really football-related. Now, he was talking football things, but this was for a fashion magazine, keep in mind. <laughs> yeah, with that. much so, fashion in that piece. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I definitely get what you're saying there, man. Um, it's something to kind of keep an eye on. you know. I, I truly feel like, and Brent's mentioned this before on the show, and I've agreed with him, where I think we, in terms of Jalen Ramsey's playing a diva position like a wide receiver position but at the same time he doesn't come across to me and I may sound crazy here like like a guy who craves all the attention that wants all the attention on him like Deion Sanders did I think when we talked about the like whole, Antonio Brown like, like Antonio Brown like the whole Brinks truck thing like yeah it, it may have been cringeworthy to some people but that wasn't Jalen's idea, right? Like that was an Adidas promotion. I don't think Jalen would have thought to himself, you know, what would be cool if I got a Brinks truck, showed up at the training camp, and got all the attention on me. I think that was maybe a PR person or Adidas representative that talked him into doing that. So with that, yeah, piece, let's clarify yeah. real quick too, yeah. because this is going to get misconstrued as I listen to you. Okay. And I think, listen, Jalen is a hey, and it, all eyes are on me kind of guy. You know, yeah. you know, he's he's a brand guy. And so when you're a brand guy, there are all eyes on me. But the mm-hmm. difference being, what I had said about especially that, just to kind of give a no, yeah, more illustra- yeah. well, no, just more of an illustration, is there's levels of that. And Dion and Antonio Brown and guys like that, they would have come out of that Brinks truck dressed with, like, gold chains. Mink coat. Gold, yeah, yeah. mink coat. And I was hot in Jacksonville. But, they, <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? They would have no, come yeah, out, and it yeah. wouldn't have just been, like, Jalen showed up in sweatpants and yeah. almost looked embarrassed to be coming out of the back of the truck. Correct. You know, so yeah. that was what 
there's levels of it, mm-hmm. and I guess there's there is brand awareness for Jalen, but there's not necessarily flash with it all the time, you know? Yeah, yeah, and that's a great point, Brent. Like, listen, if you're an NFL player in 2019. You have to have some kind of brand awareness. I don't care who you are. Yeah. If you're a punter, they, it doesn't they matter. All do. Yeah, I mean, you could be a punter. Josh Lambo's got his hats he's doing now. Like everyone, high school kids do. Yeah, so everyone's <laughs> got the brand awareness, but there is a difference between, like you said, kind of the flashiness um, and as opposed to letting you know the, the, the play speak for itself on the field. And so far, I think what we've seen with Jalen Ramsey, at least, like we saw with Antonio Brown in the beginning, is that the play speaks for itself. Now, I mean, he's still got a long ways to go, and we'll see if this, this slope you know, continues to be slippery. But right now... I don't think that Jalen Ramsey's heading towards Antonio Brown status. All right. Thanks, Submarine Mike, for that. All right. Let's quickly. What's up? Real quick. Oh, I, sorry. Oh, so uh, I didn't even still on the line. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Mike. I'm going to talk so long. <laughs> my bad, dude. Uh, no, that's good. That's balling and falling. Uh, hey, real quick, Mike Ballin. Yeah. I'm going to give it to the team, teams that have started off 2-0, and like the Bills. Mm-hmm. And the Niners is a team that you liked a lot. Yeah, that about. nobody expected. Yeah. And they, uh, by the way, the Niners won two road games. Yeah. The Bills won two road games. Now, they didn't go far. It was in the mm-hmm. state, pretty much in the state. It was in the same stadium, MetLife Stadium. But off to a good start on two of those teams. That uh, we'll see where it goes from here. I don't think they're great. But they definitely got a couple of W's early in the season. Yeah, you know, I think Josh Allen showing that he's kind of, and I'm talking about the quarterback Josh Allen, is, is ta- he's kind of made some strides forward as being a better quarterback. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, he is who we thought he was, you know, kind of uh, thing like that. So, yeah, yeah maybe two, not that good. Some yeah. people thought he was unbelievable. No, for sure. But he's had a, you know, a yeah. pretty good two first games so far. I think so good yeah. offensively. Well, once again, you got those offensive-oriented coaches yeah. that are that are younger, you know. Absolutely. And they seem to be having a lot of success in the NFL. Uh, Brent, my ball, and I'm not sure this is a really a ballin or a fallen. I slept on it, came to a decision. <laughs> this is going to be a ballin. Uh, did you see the picture of Mark Davis, the owner of the Oakland Raiders? I didn't. So, supposedly, I guess, Oakland, they have a partnership with Allegiant Airlines. Now, Allegiant, if you saw them in a lineup, they'd probably be one of your last airlines that you'd pick a flying, right? Well, there's a picture circulating on the internet right now, and I'll post it to you right here. A picture of Mark Davis flying business class with Allegiant Airlines. Keep in mind, Mark Davis is a billionaire and has a lot of money. And I think it's bomb just from the standpoint, you know, sometimes I say more money, more problems. Mark Davis flying, you know, Allegiant coach or whatever you want to call it. Uh, you know, props to him, man. He's a, he's a man of the people. I feel like if I was a billionaire, I'd be doing the same stuff. Yeah, you know what? That's pretty cool. I think yeah. a man of the people, or he's either super cheap. <laughs> or super. But, I mean, no, hey, whatever, man. But you know what? I guess there's a fine line, right? There's a fine line. Well, dude, when you're a billionaire, super cheap. Go ahead and splurge a couple extra thousand bucks yeah. on first class. If you're a billionaire, stop spending $30 million guaranteed on, on Antonio Brown and spend yeah. a couple hundred extra bucks <laughs> on your first class seat, okay? Uh, maybe you should do that instead. Hey, when we come back, Fallen, and we'll get to the quarterback stuff, and it will include the college game because Felipe Franks goes down, and I know it's been a lot of NFL talk, but uh, I think we do have to give a little bit to the college game. UCF with a huge win. <laughs> Big game coming up this Saturday in Athens with Georgia and Notre Dame. Uh, NF, the... the College football scene was a terrible weekend going in. There were actually some interesting games, uh, including Florida State. Falls again. And sometimes it's about knowing how to win, and sometimes it's not knowing how to win. I think that comes into play sometimes here in Jacksonville, even with the NFL team. It comes into play a lot in college football. And right now you see two examples of that on Saturday night. Florida finds ways to win. Florida State finds ways to lose. More on that and the quarterback situations around the NFL. Why is it happening? Next on ESPN 690. We're well, running a lot, you know what I'm saying? Scrambling. 
you know, making plays with his feet, right? I just felt that, you know, we work all week on a call. Um, we do can change, we can change it obviously during the course of the game. Uh, we thought that the defense that they had given us was going to give us a great chance, and we came up a couple inches short. I mean, you know, a lot of times people ask you the question, "Hey, would you do it all, uh, over again?" Well, obviously not. You know, I mean, if you don't make it, you're not going to do it over again. I love the the realistic nature sometimes of Doug Monroe. I mean, that part I get. I like that. Mm-hmm. You know, and that he's right. He gets it. He knows what people are saying. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right. You would have done something different. What I don't know is, did they get? You said it, Austin. As we welcome everybody back, Brent Martin, Austin Lane, and I don't. I mean, we've been on this so much, and I want to get to other things. But listen, it's a big story, man. It's the Jags. It's two point conversion. The two point conversion fail. Jalen Ramsey, no discipline today. By the way, announced from Coach Doug Marone, there won't be any. The Jags are zero and two. They got a big game Thursday night. I mean, that's what we do. Uh, it's the Jags. But I want to get to some other things real quick after I say this, coming off Doug's comments, and that is, did they get the defense they wanted to see? I mean, you saw a lot of people in the box. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, I showed you the picture, okay? Uh, I, t- I took a screenshot because I knew we were going to talk about it. I-, I banked on it. And I took a picture of the screenshot, and the screenshot, I can count eight players on my TV screen um, on the line. And if you can do that, that means, well, there's three other players covering three receivers, and that's all there is. So from that perspective... Um, I feel like you have to pass there, you know? And once again, Brent, I'm not an offensive guru. Uh, I'm not an offensive-minded guy. You know how I operate, dude. I want to stop the run, and I want to run the football, and let's, let's do this whole thing. But I'm just saying, from what I saw, uh, there is a reason why I cussed. There's a reason why I dropped an F-bomb in front of my son for the second time in my uh, whole entire, or his entire life watching football. It's because I felt like there was an easy opening there for that pass game, and they didn't take it. Yeah. Um, all right, let's get to Fallen real quick. And it's not yeah. the Jags on this uh, instance. I mean, it could be Jalen Ramsey, and, and Submarine Mike called in, and that was his um, because of the antics and, and outbursts and maybe even a little bit of Doug Marone on the sideline uh, and also some of his calls, lack thereof, challenge yeah. flag, uh, the two-point call, um, the play call they chose to go with. So there's a lot of choices here. But for me, I'm just going quarterbacks in general. What's going on? Ben Rothberger out for the year with the elbow. Six weeks now for the thumb for Drew Brees. Nick Foles already down. Sam Darnold out with mono for an extended amount of time. Uh, Who am I missing? Andrew Luck retired. Uh, By the way, Adam Vinatieri hasn't retired. I think they've talked him out of retiring and and want to give him another crack at it. But I think there was a... There was a well, thought. This isn't quarterback related, but uh, it sparked my um, retirement in Colts situation. Yes. And I think I saw that there's no retirement for well, Benetton. And they kind of set the record straight. So there's a sound like uh, I was kind of following the story yesterday. And supposedly after the game, because, you know, he lost. I mean, yeah. he missed a lot. He's missed five kicks in the yeah. first two weeks. So um, after the game, you know, the, the media wanted to address it. You know, and so they asked his thoughts. And he basically said, I'll address it tomorrow. Yeah. Well, the media is like. You know, you don't. We're not gonna talk to you tomorrow. He's like, oh no, I'll address it tomorrow. Yeah. So that was the thought of the retirement coming down the pipeline. But uh, by all accounts, now as you mentioned, I guess that's not in the works just yet. Uh, well, I got us off the quarterbacks, but the quarterbacks, what's going on? I mean, heck, yeah, even yeah. in college, Felipe Franks goes down. Yeah. yeah. I mean, devastating blows in the last three weeks mm-hmm. to quarterbacks, at least that that we have uh, a vested interest in. Pretty wild. It, it, it's very wild, and especially like you know, big name quarterbacks. You know, I mean, you're talking about Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger, guys that have been tied to their respective franchises for a long time now. Um, it's going to be weird not watching Ben Roethlisberger if they're not seeing Drew Brees out there. But let, let's be honest. I mean, we're speaking from a Jaguars perspective here, Brent, from a Jaguars fans' perspective. 
we talked about Andrew Luck retiring and the stars aligning for the Jacksonville Jaguars win the division. Well, now Drew Brees, you know, being out in a couple weeks first the Jacksonville Jaguars. Once again, the, the the stars are aligning a little bit because I ended up watching that Saints Rams game, and to be honest, Teddy Bridgewater. Not a good look for him, um, you know, against the, the Rams. And I don't think the Rams' defense is really, you know, even maybe a top five, top ten kind of caliber. But uh, Bridgewater struggled. So at least from a Jaguars fan's perspective, um, you know, you can be a little optimistic about that. But, yeah, as far as Ben Roethlisberger, you have to ask the question too, Brent. Is this really the end for Ben Roethlisberger, a guy who's been contemplating retirement now? It seems like the past couple years he's out the entire season now with an elbow injury. It makes you wonder if this is the end for Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, interesting. And, you know, if you think about it from the Jag standpoint, yeah, obviously they've got Minshew mania and magic and all these things, and Minshew's played pretty well, comes in and does a way better job than Teddy Bridgewater did. Yeah. And you can argue they have a way better offense and, and more weapons at the disposal uh, playing against the Rams instead of the Chiefs in relief, well, but uh, that, that Minshew was. Go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, think about it like this, Brent. Like, I picked the Chiefs to go to the Super Bowl this year. Because if you think about it, they have an all-pro at every single level. They have an all-pro at wide receiver, an all-pro at tight end, Jared Cook, and they have an all-pro uh, with Alvin Kamara. I, I, oh, I, Saints, I, I, yeah, the Saints. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, like from that perspective, you know, even if you're Teddy Bridgewater, I feel like you should be able to be successful in that kind of offense. But you saw it against the Rams; he really wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't. Uh, so, I mean, Roethlisberger, you mentioned it. Yeah. Breeze, we'll see. But the Jags don't play him now. They want to yeah. face Bridgewater. I mean, yeah. that's a break for the Jags. I think it stinks for the fans. Yeah. There's one last t- chance maybe to see Drew Brees here in Jacksonville. But yep. if he can get a win because of it, maybe that will help out. Yeah. Uh, you know, Cam Newton's not playing good. He seems beat up. Uh, i tell you what, Wentz had some moments last night and played well, but he got beat up. Yeah. You know? Uh, Took Deshaun big shots Watson of the ribs. was beat up every time he hits the ground. Yeah. I mean, wow. We, they're protecting the quarterbacks, and the quarterbacks are still going down. Yeah. There's only so much you can do, right? I mean, guys are getting bigger, faster, and stronger every single year on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, there's only so much you can do. Might be one of those years, an epidemic yeah. at the quarterback position. And uh, real quick mention of Felipe Franks. It's a mm-hmm. horrific injury. And we're going to talk a lot more college football tomorrow. But uh, you hate to see it. I, I hate this. I thought about it from this angle. And listen, I'm not a Gator fan, and so I know Gator fans will react in different ways to it. Um, uh, Trask did a great job coming in, and yeah. we'll see where they go with Trask and Emory Jones. And we'll talk a little bit more about how Mullen handles quarterbacks tomorrow, which is very interesting to have some of these guys ready. And I don't think Felipe Franks is unbelievable, so maybe they can replace him and still move forward in an okay manner. But. I just thought about it from this angle. These guys, man, they put so much work in. Felipe Franks tries to grow and grow as a quarterback and, and learning a system and being a leader and, man, to see it come crashing down yeah. three games in. You do feel for him. I think that becomes cliche, but you feel. I, I thought about it a little bit extra the other night. Yeah. That's a devastating injury. They even brought him out in front of the uh, team uh, to break him down at the end of the game when they rally and get the win. But you can almost see it on his face mm-hmm. because you know you're about to not be a part of the team. You know, yeah. you can say it all you want, but we get it, right? You're no, not you're... like Nick Foles doesn't feel a part of the team right now. Yeah. Even if he's helping out, yeah. he doesn't feel a part of the team. Exactly. And, and listen, I've, I've been more critical of the Felipe Franks than anybody. You know, I mean, when you were gone, Brent, I went on a giant rant of how I was fed up with Felipe Franks trying to act like he's the man when he's not indeed the man yet. You know, when he's taunting on the sidelines and things of that nature. But yeah, any time a guy like that goes down, you know, really that leader of that offense goes down for the season. And it's you hit it right on the head, Brent. Like, sure, he's going to be maybe giving some pregame speeches. He may be helping out, you know, the next quarterback, whether it's Trask, whoever it is, um, you know, helping him get ready for the game. But mentally and physically, you're just not part of the team anymore. And that's just the way it is. It doesn't matter how much uh, you try to help out. It's just 
there's some things that you can't uh, be a part of when you're hurt on the sidelines, and that's just the way it is. But uh, wish him a speedy recovery, man. And yeah, you know, it's just it's a hard situation. Hey, we don't talk college football half the show on a daily basis, but I do want to talk more college football. We'll do it tomorrow. It's just a lot to sure. digest with the Jags. I thought today, and um, we'll do a little bit more with Florida State and yep. UCF, and because I want to talk about UCF a little bit more. They deserve to be talked about. Uh, just probably not going to get too much of it today. What's your following? Speaking of my speaking of college football, real quick. So my following, and listen, Brent, I've been really critical of the Green Bay Packers. Had some friends call me out yesterday and said, <laughs> "How about those Packers beating the Vikings?" So I be bet it. They did. And listen, I've always said that uh, Madison, Wisconsin, probably has some of the drunkest college football fans in the entire world. Badger fans, I'm sorry, but I found a, a, a new fan base that might be, give you a run for your money. Ames, Iowa, the Iowa State student section. You see what happened during the like the, the, like, like the storm delay. <laughs> Basically what happened was there was a weather delay. They had to exit the stadium. A bunch of drunk fans hopped the fences, got back in the stadium, and were running on the field. Uh, like 100 people were doing this, by the way. There's videos everywhere on Twitter. Check it out. But uh, drunkest fans in America. I have to go to the Iowa State Cyclone fans. What else are you going to do in places like Wisconsin and Iowa? Not I mean. much to do, right? <laughs> Hit up that 40, man. Let's go. <laughs> uh, hey, when we come back, we put a bow on the show. And uh, one final thought or two on, on what happened over the weekend uh, with the Jaguars. Remember, Jags Report Live coming up at 7 o'clock on CBS 47. Come join us at Top Golf. Come on out. Uh, we'll have some fun, and we'll talk all about it. But next, I've one more segment here on ESPN 690. Welcome back here on Action Sports. Jacks on ESPN 690. Once again, uh, Jags Report Live coming up 7 o'clock on CBS 47. Come on out to Top Golf, and uh, it's a big golf day around here. <laughs> we are at the Golf Club at Southampton. Action Sports Jacks Dream 18 in the books for another year. Uh, so thankful for all our uh, sponsors and support and everybody that comes out and joins us uh, for this day. Raised over $30,000 today for St. Michael Soldiers and North Florida Junior Golf Foundation and uh, now eclipsed the mark of $100,000 uh, for the Dream 18 giving to local charity. So thanks uh, to everyone that was a part of it and really thanks to the Golf Club at Southampton. Course is in awesome shape. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, earlier in the year, the, the greens were in rough shape uh, because of uh, kind of like a fungus or something. I don't, I don't know the actual technical terms of what happened, but some of the courses in the area got hit by this, and what a job they have done here at the Golf Club at Southampton to get this course in shape over the last couple of months, and um, not just for our event, by the way, but for everybody else, and uh, rave reviews today on the golf course. So if you like golf and you haven't been to Southampton in a bit, the greens are rolling. And they are good, and uh, the rest of the course is in fantastic shape. So come on out to uh, the golf club at Southampton and enjoy some of the nice fall weather. Hopefully that is to come and play some uh, golf. But thanks again uh, for the hospitality. It was a great day for this event. Brett Martineau, Austin Lane. And do we move on tomorrow, or do we get stuck in the, the cycle of what happened yesterday for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Because there's very short time. Jaguars well, were off today. Mm-hmm. Then tomorrow they get back on the practice field. There will be media availability. So I think people will be asking a lot of these questions. And then obviously Wednesday right into Thursday night in a game that they have to win. It's like a must-win game for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, they got to be careful to get caught in this. I know 24-hour rule exists, 
but you got to be ca- get cough, uh, you got to be careful to get caught in that web that might last a little bit more than 24 hours. So, you know, here's the beauty of everything, right? Let's go back to Sunday uh, one last time. So, Jalen Ramsey, Doug Marone altercation on the sidelines. Not a good look for the team. Uh, you know, Marone had to kind of push back. Ramsey had to be pushed back. Uh, it just it wasn't a good scene. Jaguars losing, uh, you know, on a heartbreaker at the end on a two-point conversion. Lose to the Texans. Lose to a, a division opponent. That all sucks. If you want to take, I mean, you can take positives with the Gardner Minshew and yada, yada, yada. But I think you can also take a positive in the fact here, Brent, that you play on Thursday night. So you don't have time to really, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, to sit and dwell, uh, to sing Kumbaya, to try to get, you know, like an HR person to come in and make sure everyone's getting along now. Because guess what? You, we play the Tennessee Titans Thursday night, and guess what? The Tennessee Titans uh, have had your number the past couple years. The Tennessee Titans, if you thought the Texans game was intense, wait till the Titans come to town because that's the Titans' M.O. I don't care how good Mariota's looking, A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, Delaney Walker. No, let's be honest. Tennessee's going to try to come and run the ball down your throat. And the question is, is are you going to stop him or not? And guess what? The best part about that whole thing is, like, yeah, you have to have the right calls, the right schemes, but this is an attitude game, Brent. This is an attitude game, and this is the game that I love, right? Because it's it's stopping the the stopping the run and running the football yourselves. Uh, it's the battle of the trenches, and to me, that's what football is all about. So you don't have time to sit and reflect about well, who was right, Doug Marone, Joe Ramsey was, because no, you don't have time for that. You're coming in tomorrow, Tuesday. You're playing for Tennessee. Practice Wednesday, uh, like a, like a fast Friday on Wednesday, and then you're playing Thursday. So quick turnaround, and, and I love that for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Well, that is a quick turnaround, and I mean. I'm not wrong, right? I mean, this is must-win time. Like, they've got to win this football game. Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm the ultimate sunshine and rainbows guy. Mm -hmm. But I have a hard time finding a way out of this mess at 0-3, even if you do have Denver, who's not very good, Carolina, who I think is suspect, and now a New Orleans team coming in that doesn't have Drew Brees. Shows you the importance of a win and how it can really change the mindset. If the Jags do sneak that win and really steal one in a game that they probably weren't going to win for three and a half quarters. Yeah. And they stole that game. Well, now you'd be feeling good about Thursday, and you'd be feeling good about the next few weeks. So the most difficult part of the schedule, at least on paper, is this first six weeks of the schedule. Um, it's must-win time, man. They've got to get it done. You can't lose at home on Thursday night football. I don't care who you're playing, and I know Tennessee's been tough on them, but you can't lose at home and go to 0-2 in the division and 0-3 on the football season. That's a tough thing to make up from. And obviously we'll talk about it more during the week of breaking down Tennessee what they bring to the table, but uh, you're talking about a Tennessee Titans team right now, Brent, who's you know out their best offensive lineman, Taylor Lewan, who's the highest paid left yeah. tackle in the entire NFL. He's not going to be suiting up for this game, dealing with a drug suspension, uh, you know, for performance enhancing drugs. And you got this is on the defensive line. It really is. And uh, listen, we talked about it a little bit, Brent, where. After my, my observation after the game, I'm a little nervous for the defensive line right now because I saw Calais Campbell. You know, he, he had some missed tackles, whether that's an injury relation or whatever it is, but Calais Campbell didn't play his best game yesterday, and that's got to be the leader. That's got to be the anchor of that defensive line. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, is he going to be able to play? So a lot of questions right now on the defensive line that we'll start addressing more as the week progresses. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk more about it tomorrow because we need to get into this defense. One thing we didn't talk about today is the defense bounced back. Yeah. You know, I mean, with all the Jalen, again, if we're not talking about the Jalen Ramsey sideline outburst, Jalen Ramsey and this defense bounce back, yeah. for sure. But there are some issues to be concerned about. Yep. Calais Campbell is one of them. He's off to a slow start. Marcel Darius isn't 100%. Yannick Ngakwe, when's, when will he be ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot to get into on that, so we'll talk more about the defense uh, tomorrow. You got a little quick stay in your lane? Yeah, quick stay in your lane. So I had some audio prepared. Oh, yep, there's <laughs> So I had some audio prepared. 
But uh, we're going to save it for tomorrow. Actually, this is kind of a good shout-out. I just came across this, got a text message. So my cousin, uh, Carl Craigie, will, will be, be competing in the Frontier League Championships tonight, Brent. It's like a, it's like a Class yeah, A baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's the closer, and he goes by the name as they gave him, the Norwegian Hammer. Well, the, well, the Norwegian <laughs> Hammer hopes to get the save tonight as uh, the That's Florence cool. Freedom uh, play for the championship tonight uh, in Frontier League baseball. Go so get props him, to man. them. Go get them. Will do. Yeah, thanks, Brent. Uh, so props to them and, you know, uh, the, the Florence Freedom. And then uh, you pump your brakes real quick. Did you watch the boxing fight at all? I did. Tyson Fury. Yeah. No, See, I didn't stay. See, Why is that thing on so late? Well, I know, and I didn't talk about it because and I stay up late. And I didn't talk about it because I figured, well, yeah, uh, out of while, I'm gonna be honest. Never heard of the guy. He's from Sweden. He's got that Viking blood. That's cool. Had no idea who Tyson Fury was fighting. He was a big favorite. Gave Tyson him a Fury, run for his money. A run for his money, but here's the bad part. Tyson Fury gets put these stitches in a, in a cause he, he caught a punch to the eye in the third round, opened him up really good. Fifty stitches and now the fight with Deontay Wilder coming up here at the end of the year is obviously in question because he has to recover from those stitches. So yeah. not a good uh, look for boxing. All right. Uh, hey, much more to talk about with the Jacksonville Jaguars, of course, the rest of the week. Short week for the Jags. Uh, and we'll talk more on the TV side, by the way, coming up on Fox 30 and CBS 47 all night long. But a reminder, come on out to Top Golf. Uh, 7 o'clock, CBS 47. We will be there talking Jags, the entire Action Sports Jacks team. Uh, that is on the way. Fun show that we just started a week ago. Uh, thanks to Coos. Coos, you have fun today? I had a great time. Yeah, you and Nicole out here playing. She is no doubt better than you. Um, <laughs> I will share the video of the one shot I got a Coos a little bit later on. I heard it wasn't pretty. I can't wait to see this. Yeah, thanks uh, to everyone again for the Action Sports Jack Stream 18, everyone supporting Cadillac, uh, Law Offices of Ron Schultz, Jacksonville Giants, the Players' Championship, our presenting and title sponsors, and, of course, the Golf Club at Southampton. And uh, we'll thank a lot more along the way. Have a good night, everybody. For Austin Lane, I'm Brent Martineau. More Jags talk and college talk tomorrow here on the show. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.